Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Missing the Point. I am Joe Malkin, joining you with the whole crew, something we haven't done in a long time, but it's for a special occasion. Uh, out on the left coast, we have uh, DK Sizzle, Dave Clark, uh, it, up in uh, uh, New Hampshire, but he's not really in New Hampshire, but anything north of Boston is just considered New Hampshire to people from down here. Uh, it is Mike Marcangelo. Uh, Rayshon Buchanan in the city. Uh, and way out west in, in New York is the real BK Bob Kelly. And like two miles down the road from me is Craig D'Alessandro. I never know why we don't just do these in the same place. But I am Joe Malgan. This is the 100th episode of MTP Missing the Point, formerly known as SNSW. And uh, guys, welcome into our, our 100th episode, which is not officially our hundredth episode. I was going to say, I, I didn't, I did are we concocting a elaborate ruse on the, on the listeners? No, including me in about, it. I was like, we've flown past a hundred episodes. We, we have flown past a hundred episodes. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> we hit a hundred episodes over the holidays and now uh, we couldn't all get together until, uh, today. Uh, so Mike could get together last week, but we just, we decided that wasn't important enough. <laughs> is, is there anything more on brand for a show called missing the point? than to have their 103rd episode be their 100th episode i just think that's that's perfect you know bobby it's like it's like when stores have grand openings but they've been open for six months it's just soft opening yeah it's just that that was just our soft opening. that was gonna be the name of my band in college but uh we really can never get any soft opening (laughs) now it's just gonna be the title of my memoirs it's tk and the soft openings (laughs) welcome everyone that was a hell of a soft opening for us. Huh? <laughs> we've we've come a long way. We're we're doing our our normal antics uh, to call everybody out. Bobby's smoking, Dave's smoking, Mike and I are drinking. Ray's listening to our antics, and uh, Craig's drinking yeah. diet soda of some sort. So not much has changed over a hundred episodes. Not much has changed in uh, fifteen years, really, because that's really how long we've all known each other and. Now to be doing a hundred episodes of a podcast, you know, when we got back together for this, uh, in July of, of 2020 in the midst of a pandemic and we had nothing better to do. I don't think any of us thought we were going to do that at that point. And I don't think any of us, well, I think we knew we thought we could get to a hundred episodes, but, uh, 
Uh, I don't I don't know if we expected it to be in such grandiose fashion with over twenty thousand downloads of our of our episodes. Um, and we've talked to some amazing people in the sports world, uh, including you know uh, Dan Shaughnessy, uh, Jan Volt, Karen Garigian, uh, who has basically adopted Mike um and, and and abby chin uh and and so many trey kisnerick who who was one of my favorites uh and then you know um hillary rose who has been on with us multiple times the mma fighter from from our neck of the woods so she's guys fighting, she's fighting soon she's uh she's she I just talked to her. she's gonna come back on the show this month it's gonna be fun. awesome so there's a preview of of something to look forward to in late january early february but um yeah guys i mean we're we're 100 episodes 103 so we'll get hit dave it's okay deep breath 103 episodes into this thing and um guys just real quick to kind of look back on it um we basically talk every day in our in our discord uh and we do this show once a week and we haven't seen each other all in a long time but uh, Ray, we're a hundred episodes into this thing, and um, I know you have a couple of projects going on and stuff. So, I, I think I, I think you're the one to go to here. What what does it mean to be this deep into it to you? Oh, I mean, it's it's, it's awesome, man. Um, you know, I I came back to Boston after seven years of being down in Miami, and you know, obviously, I came right back before the pandemic and just really didn't know uh, what was going to be next for me, honestly. So. Um, I think, you know, I think Bobby made a post or someone attacked us or something that happened like maybe eight or nine years ago at the time. And, you know, you know, we, we always have statuses throughout the years that we tagged each other, like, oh, I like, remember this. And, you know, only if we had a show and then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, let's just do a reunion show. And then, you know, people tuned in for that one in June of 2020. Then, you know, it was like, oh, let's have another one in July and more people listened. I was like, oh, I'm like, oh, shit. Like people actually want to hear something that we have to say. And then, you know, uh, to, to Craig's credit, it was like, Craig's like, yo, if y'all want to do this shit, we got, we got to be all in. And to a man, we said, yeah, let, let, let's do it. And, um, you know, I said our, our dedication, our attention to detail has been phenomenal. Um, so whether it's been you as, you as a host, Joe, Mike as a host, DK as a host, uh, hell, all, all of us hosted it at, at some point. <laughs> honestly, honestly if, we, if we go by that uh, logic, but um, it's, it's been awesome to be a part of this. Um, regardless of all the stuff I do, like I said, this, this has been uh, phenomenal because I started with with everyone here and you know we made history on the radio with Dean and now we're making history now here so uh not to be too long-winded but like I said it's been an awesome experience and I can't wait to see uh what the next hundred episodes bring yeah those, those kids at Dean now you know they may have that partnership with the craft group and the patriots and the revolution but uh, we trailblazed that and they got nothing on us so right exactly <laughs> bobby you've been through a lot in the last uh, hundred episodes got a yeah, baby man. and uh you know your cowboys are in the playoffs i mean within two months of each other you've had a baby and the cowboys are in the playoffs and they look like they can actually win a playoff game what has 100 episodes meant to you uh man it's been it's been magical to be here with you guys uh like ray said when we put up that facebook post um you know, during the pandemic, I, I I never thought it would turn into this. I uh, definitely thought it would just kind of be like a one-off, you know, get together. We'll talk about sports, record it. It'll be fun. It'll be good. Uh, here we are uh, almost what, two years later now, uh, still going, uh, still going strong. It's It's been amazing, man. Um, I'm, just, I'm just so happy that it's been so successful. So happy I made that Facebook post, man. It, it It's still to this day. I love it. It comes up on my Facebook every was it september august when we did it uh and and i love it every single time 
And then we started talking and we, we got back together and it was, you know, basically Bobby kind of got Ray on the bandwagon. And then of course, Mike and I were both like, well, it's a chance to talk about sports and hear ourselves. So we're in. And then we said, well, Craig, you got to jump in. And he of course did and jumped in more than any of us would have to do everything. Yeah. I was going to say, well, we'll get to that. Uh, and then Bobby came back to us and said, yo, if we're going to get the band back together, we got to get Dave involved. So Dave, Dave, that's how Dave got involved. And we were all like, hell yeah, let's get Dave back in. It was supposed to be a surprise. Remember? I was like, oh, it's a surprise. And then GK was like, fuck your, fuck your surprise. Actually. <laughs> yeah. We, every, every one of us knew it was Dave. I, it couldn't have been anybody else. Cause it wasn't Dylan. So Dave, <laughs> I, I knew, I knew that shot was coming. The inside jokes are strong with this one. So those of you that are loyal to us that have listened to us since the uh, Power 88 days, um, Dave, 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 you've been through a lot in the last year, too. Um, you're not engaged. Uh, you bought a house. Uh, and you have now been on 100 episodes of this podcast with us. How does that make you feel? Fuck around and get a triple-double, man. You know, it's just how I do. Uh, yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's mm-hmm. cool that we did this. I think... Uh, I think it was like, did you guys watch that Beatles documentary where it was just like eight hours of them like playing chords and then all of a sudden like fucking let it be would just like rip out of one of their pianos. And it was like <clears throat> watching it. I was like, yeah, this is cool. Cause like, I know we're not the Beatles mainly cause there's six of us, not four, but. And hopefully one of us doesn't get shot. Yeah. Uh, that is what, um, that is what like a collaborative process is like. And I think, I think it's just been cool to kind of go through the ups and downs of collaborating with like six people in very different phases of their life um and sort of like working through everyone's personalities and like kind of figuring out how to work with each other and like make the best product we possibly can and i think that if anyone is ever going to do something like that and they're they're on the fence i think you should do it because for better or for worse it like will improve your communication skills it'll improve your like interpersonal skills and like even though we all now like basically hate each other we are making it work. So it's it's a good way to like release some tension as well. If you have like an actual relationship at home, you can be in an old married couple with five dudes you went to college with instead. And uh, <laughs> it, it just sort of works out. You know, it's it's become sort of a, a nice thing in my life that I do. Um, I like to do all you guys. This thing is me just doing all you guys. Um, <laughs> what, Mike? What is there? Is there some sort of issue with what I just said, Mike? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Speaking of old married dudes. Uh, Mike Marcangelo, uh, thanks. Uh, really good at the transitions today. Uh, I've, <laughs> it's great when you call it out. It makes it way better. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, keep doing that. It makes it way. It makes it way better. Just in the background, transitions on point. <laughs> it's usually what I have to do with my jokes too, especially around my house. When my wife stops laughing at them. So, Mike, how are you? How's it going? Hundred episodes. Um, you know, been a lot of uh, ups and downs, and here we are. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think if you just think about it, uh, I, I, I was I didn't really think it too much uh, philosophically about this until uh, Ray, uh, Bobby, and DK spoke about it. But like, we were such a big part of each other's lives, like in in the formative years in college, right? Like, we all kind of grew together, and then to take that ten year pause and come back and still be able to, I think, deliver a really good you know product weekly, week in and week out, uh, despite who's you know who's on here. I think that's awesome. And now we're all in this, as you mentioned, like our, the different phases of our lives. So that's, that's the, the heartfelt, uh, uh, you know, opinion. 
Honestly, I'm surprised we made it because none of us really like each other. And we're still, and we're still here. Every single day we check our group chat to see who can piss off who the most. And I think, I think that makes for really good content. I know that there have been some, some touch and go scenarios, but yeah, whether it's, it's, uh, you know, we're just such all different personalities with sarcasm, um, everything and we all lose everything in translation in the text and it's i actually step now now to a point where i laugh at every single fight that we have via text or chat because i know that the other person is a getting really mad and b when i'm getting really mad i'm like that son of a bitch still knows how to do it so um i guess i'm i'm really shocked that we made it uh and i'm glad that we did <laughs> we're gonna have a lot we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun uh you know coming up it's funny you say that though, because that really is what it is, right? We we really have morphed into a fucking married old couple. Because <laughs> like, no matter how many fights we have, no matter how many times we go at each other's fucking throats, like we'll literally come in for the kill and be like, "Go fuck yourself," and then ten minutes later, it's fine. You Don't know worry. what I mean? So like, we've actually reached that point where like we can get in a huge brawl, and then twenty minutes later, we can pass each other in the hallway and be like, "Hey, babe." What's up? That's but that's how yeah, dudes work, right? Yeah. The virtual hallway. Yes. Yeah, we we throw we throw a haymaker, we catch the chin, and we're fine. Yeah, so, it's Craig, it's usually Dave that's pissing everybody off. Uh, Two part question: <laughs> Who, in your humble opinion, uh, pisses everybody off the most? And uh, what have you thought about one hundred episodes of literally doing everything? Well, the answer to the first question is Dave because he knows what's button suppressor. He knows how to do it very, very well. I like pressing yeah. you guys' buttons. When you work in Hollywood, you got right? some sexy buttons, all you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very happy with what we've all accomplished. We've talked to some very um, important people, some very fa- uh, famous people in our realm of. Um, That's really expertise. nice, you, Craig. But it's your section. You should just talk about you, not me. I don't like talking about the, me. That's <laughs> why I don't talk on the show. I just listen to you guys talk. But yeah. you know, listen to you guys for you know. I've done all these now, and it's. I look forward to hundred more. Our, our first guest really was Dave, and he just never left. Right. Uh, so, you, okay, you know, thank and, God and for I, that. Huh? You, I hope you count your lucky stars every day. <laughs> I think I speak for for all five of us, uh, Craig. When I say we literally could not do any of this without you, we wouldn't. More or less, couldn't we? Just wouldn't. We literally wouldn't. We, and and I think you know that too. And you probably curse at us when you're. Uh, when you're uh, editing the episodes at one o'clock in the morning, and you probably enjoy getting that text message from me at one thirty when I've fallen asleep on my couch and mosey up to bed. Did you ever finish Predator? Uh, no, I didn't finish Predator. Oh. It was the one with Olivia Munn too. It I was didn't the, know the your new nickname one. for him was Predator. <laughs> wow, <laughs> little a little window, hundred episodes <laughs> in into, into Joe and Chris's relationship. Ow! Ow! But anyway. But, so, but yes, yeah, I literally, we, yes, we, we, I do we, yell at you all at like two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> get ready. Just for the record, Craig's yelled at us zero times in a hundred episodes. <laughs> well, Craig, oh, no, no, Craig is muted. kind of passive when it comes to that. Like I've known him for longer than all you guys have. So, it, but it, it kind of, uh, it's kind of in a passive way, but I can tell when Craig's mad and I, I've, I've seen him get pretty upset with us. And you know what? He brushes it off because he knows that we're good at what we do and he's good at what he does. And it's all for uh, the greater good. But we all bring our, our shit powers together uh, to to spew this nonsense for 104 episodes. 
And it's been a blast. And it's been a lot of fun. So that all said, uh, throughout this episode, which is already like 20 minutes long, 12. Uh, Craig will, what's that? 12. 12. All right. I was short. I have no sense of time, apparently. I could have told you that, dude. We, we will be sprinkling <laughs> in some of our greatest moments from the show, uh, from the first hundred episodes of Missing the Point uh, with some of our guests, some of our best rants. Um, and, you know, I, I really do wish sometimes we could give you guys a look inside our um, uh, some of our discord. Some of it may get us arrested. Uh, but uh, other other parts, other canceled. parts would be great for you guys to see. There's been some epic battles, uh, and one of one of my favorites is still me and Bobby going off about Danny Ainge, uh, and then me, the guy with very little NBA knowledge, being completely right, and Bobby being like, "What? Of course, the fuck? that's your favorite." Yeah, it is. It is my favorite. 100%. I think about it all the time when you get fired up in the chat. I'm like, just let it go. Think about Ainge. Think about Ainge. Uh, so anyway, uh, but for the rest of the show, for our talking part of the show, we are going to get into some six-man NFL talk uh, because, guys, we are on our way into the playoffs. Uh, the playoff seeds are set. The playoff matchups are set. And, of course, I meant to bring them up before. Um Bobby came out with his, uh, his playoff power rankings and, uh, you know, we can, we can take a look at all of these matchups, but guys, uh, a couple of interesting scenarios this past weekend, uh, that one that allowed the Pittsburgh Steelers into the playoffs. So to give you the AFC matchups, uh, the Raiders and Bengals will, and the Patriots and bills will play on Saturday. Excuse me. Uh, the Eagles and Buccaneers, the 49ers and Cowboys, the Steelers and Chiefs will play on Sunday. And then the Cardinals and Rams will play a Monday night football playoff game, which is, I believe, the second year that they've done that. So those are our 14 uh, teams. And guys, I guess first I'll start with uh, I'll start with Mike and say, Mike, are, are there any surprises in the playoffs to you this year in the NFL? I mean, I think the Raiders and the Bengals uh, are both a surprise uh, based on how, you know, every, everything that happened with the Raiders season, um, so much turmoil, and then they were able to pull off, what was it, four wins uh, in a row to close out the season to make the playoffs against, and now that, now they get to go against uh, uh, the Tiger King, Joe Burrow, and Jamar Chase, who and, and after the NFL preseason, we're all thinking that that guy is just, he just has the drops, can't catch a single ball. And he may have had the best rookie uh, year for a wide receiver in NFL history. I think that that has the uh, all the makings of being a great game. I do expect you know uh, the, the Bengals to to come out, but if you were to tell me you know September of 2021 uh, that the Bengals would be playing the Raiders in the playoffs, I would have said like you're out, you are out of your mind. And both teams figured it out. Um, so that's that's my biggest surprise. So, um, Ray Sean, our New England Patriots take on the Buffalo Bills on Saturday night. Sorry, I was, I, my thought process was over here. I watched you, like, I literally watched you stop listening to me, by the way. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't, I didn't stop listening to you. I heard Dang everything it. you said, and I, I, I brought a shut up, Bobby, and I brought it all in. Uh, but, but, it, but wait, before you move on, before you, before you move on to the page. Oh, now you want to come in? Yeah, I do. Yeah. But that was a good time. All right, go ahead. That was good. But, um, 
I, I, I got to say, my biggest surprise, shocker, um, is the goddamn Pittsburgh Steelers, man. That team all year, they, they reminded me a lot of Tim Tebow's Broncos this year. All right. That's, that's the kind of football you got out of them, where it was three quarters of just garbage football where nothing would happen. And then somehow Ben Roethlisberger, after looking like he doesn't belong on a football field anymore. All right. Ben Roethlisberger belongs on a couch. Better yet, he belongs in a doctor's chair or <laughs> jail <MCK> cell. Would <laughs> say, maybe in a jail cell. Yeah. Um, he doesn't belong there anymore, but yet somehow every week he still found a way to do it. And the way they got into was just so unreal for, for Staley to call that timeout and, and the Raiders to kick the field goal specifically because he called the timeout allegedly. It just, it, it's so unreal and so uh, unexpected that they got to be the choice, man. For for everyone out there listening, if if you don't know, I mean, you probably do know. If you're even listening to this show, you you know what we're talking about in the NFL. But on Sunday afternoon, if the Jaguars beat the Colts and then the Raiders and Chargers tied, the Raiders and Chargers would have gotten into the playoffs. The Jaguars did their job. The Steelers beat the Ravens to knock the Ravens out. And then the Chargers, Brandon Staley, as Bobby just mentioned, they, what did they have, 15 seconds left in overtime? And he called a timeout, which allowed the Raiders to kick a field goal. To, he, made, he essentially knocked himself out of the playoffs. And this was something we talked about um, pre-show, but, and I think we can come back to it in our next segment when we talk about NFL coach firings. <laughs> Excuse me. But I, I'm, I'm with Bobby. On this, I think the surprise of the playoffs is the Steelers. Uh, God damn it, Craig and Mikey. Keep breaking my concentration. I'm sorry I had to cop. At least I'm not the one with COVID. Uh, so the the surprise for me is the Steelers, mostly for the same reasons. D, DK, who is your surprise in the playoffs? Bobby stole mine. Um, Ray, who is your surprise? No, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> <Do> one. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, well, I was supposed to be next anyways, but go go ahead, DK. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not driving this fucking train, dude. I'm not I'm honestly not sure. I'm not I'll, sure I'll, who I'll, is I'll, already. And we're only 20 minutes in. So. Yeah, good. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. You got it. Um, no, I mean, like, yeah, the Steelers look fucking terrible all season. So it's like right. a little crazy that they're in there. Uh, just to, like double down on that point. Um, as far as like surprises go, I think the biggest surprise of the entire season was that the worst defense of last season became the best and most fun defense of this season when you uh when you think about the Dallas Cowboys and like to me the teams yeah the season was drunk like some crazy shit happened like nobody you expected to win one blah 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 like that was the narrative we did all season but there were a couple cool through lines and one was the Cowboys defense I thought was really fun uh another was like Joe Burrow who like kind of like you know he always kind of had that attitude but now he's kind of emerging as like a really likable uh starting NFL quarterback and like all these, all these kind of plot lines, they're now going into these playoffs, um, as well as just like the Benny Hill sketch that was the very last day of the season. Like just up was down, down was up. Like I started the day being like, why are we playing this fucking last week? This is so stupid. And then like it was just like a comedy of errors across the entire NFL. You're like, how do these guys have jobs? Blah, blah, blah. Um, but like, yeah, as far as surprises go, like everything was a surprise every week. This season it was a fun season. Like I think we had a fun regular season overall. And I think a lot of those, like I said, a lot of those things are coming in now to the playoffs to like keep following. Like I have a fucking, I have a few prop bets on the Cincinnati Bengals because their odds were so good, uh, like in my favor. And uh, I'm really excited to watch them. And like, I'm really excited to see what the Cowboys defense is going to do. 
I think there's probably going to be an upset in this wild card round. I think there's going to be a weird team. Like maybe the Steelers just like live past the Chiefs somehow. Like the Chiefs have had a couple of games where they've looked weird and not quite themselves. I know it's been a little bit, but anything can happen. That's I think the biggest surprise of the playoffs is it's the most unpredictable playoffs ever. Like you, you, you nobody, if anybody tells you they're sure who's going to win, they're not. Uh, they're lying to you because like the best team is like a historically unreliable playoff team, you know, and it's just like anything can happen here. And I'm just excited about it. I'm I'm ready to fucking start. I'm just like counting down the days to start watching it, to be honest with you. The Steelers defense could be could be sneaky. No, nah, no, nah, nah. they're going to get absolutely fucking smashed. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't I don't know. I don't know that they will. I think they're going to get beat. It might be bad. It might it might be one of the worst playoff defeats of all time, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, it could be Ray Sean. Yeah, no, I'm I'm add on on to that, right? So, uh, to me, the surprise is all it's all Pennsylvania. So it's it's Pittsburgh and and Philadelphia, right? Um, Nick Sirianni coming in, first year coach. Um, you know, we're gonna replace the guy that got the Super Bowl there, Doug Peterson. Um, I feel like they still don't know what they want at quarterback. Like, you know, they draft Hurst last year, and then you know they bring in Minshew this year. Um. You know, to me, there's no way that Mitchell should have been in the game against Dallas that last week. Um, I'm not saying that Hurts would have would have had to win that game, but it's just like you're not you're not good enough to just essentially throw a game o- away um, at the end of the year. So I, I just I didn't I didn't understand that. And then like I said, you you basically just said, okay, well we'll just we'll face Tampa Bay, um, and you might get forty pieced at like on the roll. It's 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 gonna it's my it's gonna be ugly this weekend for them. But you know we'll get into that, but. Um, yeah, that, that was definitely a big surprise, but, um, you know, I, I know you was going to make a point about the Bills and Patriots, Joe. So, uh, what do you want to get into with that? Well, j- just with the, with the Eagles, I, I think, I think we had Sirianni out the door halfway through the season and then he pulled it around and they have enough weapons and they're the, they're good enough to build on, mm-hmm. but against the Buccaneers, if the Buccaneers come out as strong as they should, there's, there's no way. I think that would be a bigger blowout than the than the Chiefs over the Steelers. I, I do. If 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 the Buccaneers come out firing on all cylinders and they're healthy. I mean, they are down a receiver. Uh but looking at the wild card round on Sun Saturday night, the Patriots will travel to the Bills for the second time in four weeks. Um I'm actually gonna change the question and I'm gonna change it to who I'm gonna direct it at. Mike, is this a trap game for the Bills? No, I, this isn't what Bill wanted. No, 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 I, I don't think so because it's not going to be 85 mile an hour winds and, and, and negative 15 degree temperatures. So they're, they're, they're still going to have to throw the ball and defend the pass. Um, I do think it, it doesn't happen very often that a quarterback will come in and destroy you two times in one season with Bill. So that's encouraging, but. Based on what what we've seen out of the Patriots over the last you know five weeks, if they play like they played in Miami last week, they can't beat anybody. It doesn't matter who we like. We we could be going against uh, the Raiders, and I'd say, well, depends on who shows up. If we if we if we play like we did in Indy, the Raiders will smoke us because we we've been playing like such ass against teams that we should not be playing like that against. And then we have a surprise, you know, that one miracle game in Buffalo where oh we didn't have to pass it and we won. I don't think it's a trap game. I think it's a scary game. The one thing I'll say is I think that the game does favor New England in the sense that everybody's counting them out. Like the, the pressure isn't on them. They're four and a half point favorites. I don't think that's real though. I, I honestly, I, I think everyone around the league, uh, 
Wait, the Patriots are favored? No, they're not. No, no they're not. No, no they're no not. Uh, it's, it's four and a half for the Bills. Yeah. Uh, yeah I was so, going to say. Which, yeah. which is really, yeah. almost, it's almost a I was a like, pick I'll em. take that right now, actually. I'll yeah, take that, actually. Do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's almost a pick em. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's plus or minus three points for the home, for the home team, right? But the, the entire league is, is not counting on the Patriots to win. And I think if, if we've learned anything this year with this Patriots team, they are much better when they are the hunter and not the hunted because when the lights are shining bright on them and every game this year, for the most part, they have crumbled. So I don't think it's a trap game. But that, that's why I felt a few weeks ago when I think me and Joe did a show after they beat Buffalo and, you know, Joe, Joe was laughing at me. I felt like it was a loss. I was like, you got to dominate these dudes. They don't even think they have a chance against you. That, you know, that, that, that was, that, and I couldn't articulate that. I was so mad <laughs> a few weeks ago when that happened, but you had, you had to prove to them. Listen, you can't fuck with us. You had your one year last year, but now um, it's, it's, it's back and we're, we're on top. You know, we're, we're top two. We're not number two. That That's what I wanted to articulate a few weeks ago, but I couldn't. But yeah, you win at 14 to 10 up there. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you won it. And like I said, we talked about it, Mike. We said, yo, we're going to win up there in Buffalo. They, they were going to get us here. And that's what happened. But they 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 dominated us. It should have been 49 to 21. Should be told, you know, there was a few misplays, penalties, whatever they missed, like, that they they really dominated us here in in uh, in Foxborough. So um, now this team has been phenomenal on the road all year. Just about. Um, listen, Miami is always a wash because they usually lose down there, uh, especially late in the season. Um, with the exception of a few games, I think they're two and seven in their last nine uh, down there in Miami at you know um, on, on the road. So I, I get that, but yeah, I mean, I I just think to be, I won't, I won't say necessarily a trap game, but. I, I think that, like I said, there's no way you could throw less than 10 times thinking that you're going to win this game. I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's not just going to be Harris or Stevens. As much as I love those two running backs, you have to throw the ball at least 25 to 30 times. You have to. Um, and like I said, Trey White's not out there. You know, it's not like he's coming back. So that, that was, that's why I was mad a few weeks ago. You have to go at them. Like, you're not run, running the ball all day. But this is not 1975. You have to throw the ball. There has to be a balance. Um, and I think, and if, and if they do that effectively, then I think they can win, you know, 24 to 21, something like that. The cool thing about this game though, Joe, uh, before you go, is that, uh, we're going to know within, 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 when there's five minutes left in the first quarter, if we're down 14, nothing, the game's over because the Patriots are front runners this year. Yeah, they, they know how to win. The they know how to win when they are in front and when they get a lead because then they, then, then they can control the tempo. They run the ball. What we've learned is if they're down 14, they'll make it a game at the end, but something will occur. That will uh, ensure that they do not win. So I think, unlike any other Patriot team, uh, you know, in the last twenty years, obviously, because you don't have Brady anymore, you have to get out in front fast, and you have to keep putting up points. And I, I just don't know how long you're going to be able to control the clock and, and and control Josh Allen. I think you will know. I think you will know in the first five minutes that the Patriots are going to lose because, <laughs> like Ray, like what what Ray was saying struck a chord with me because. He threw 32 times in the when you guys got shellacked by Buffalo. He threw 32 times, but his completion percentage was like under 50%, and he threw two picks. So it's like it's all about efficiency for Mac Jones. And like, I just don't, I haven't seen it the past few weeks. It's the stage is set. It's cold, gonna be cold as fuck. I'm not, I'm, I'm 100% like not sure about him in cold weather at this point. He already is like staring down the barrel of like his god awful performance against them a few weeks ago. And like they've just sort of crumbled since then. And it's like, I haven't seen anything from them in the last few weeks to make me think they're going to be able to beat the Buffalo Bills. And if Mike's, I'm doubling down on it now because Mike's going, the way we win 
is we come out and we smack them in the mouth early. And that is not a quality I've seen from the Patriots. Like they've made games of, of things like late, like you said, they've, um, they've managed games super efficiently and won them. I've seen that from them for sure. Like that had Bill Belichick's DNA all over it, which just come out and just like dynamically drop like a, like a big couple scores on a team and then like really set the tempo. Like I, I just haven't seen it that much from them. And I think it comes down to who their quarterback is. I'm not saying he can't be that guy someday, but I right now I I just don't think in a in a to take away the because like the thing is you always have this like you're looking at the Patriots and you're thinking about this Bill Belichick magic and you're thinking about this stuff that's been happening every time you watch the Patriots in the postseason for the last your whole life basically like your whole adult life and teenage years. But when you think about it, obviously Tom Brady was there. Like whatever, we don't need to get into that. But you can trick yourself into not just making it really simple and just looking at it and going, who are the two quarterbacks? And who are the two teams, you know, and what are the conditions? Where are they playing? What are their records? Like, don't like take away that Bill Belichick black magic, which I just because I because I think that the chasm is too great for him to like use his brain to climb. This point. They're just a better team. And like every time I watch Nikhil Harry like play football, I'm just like, <laughs> I like, you know, it's just like the weapons. I, I like a lot of players on the Patriots offense. I, like, I, I just don't know if any of them are guys that can like make Mac Jones be what he needs to be. Uh, in this game, I just don't see it. I can't imagine it happening. And I can't it, visualize it. I feel like what happened was so that Patriots game, right? Josh, you could tell what was missing from that Bills offense was for some reason they weren't running with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a mobile quarterback. That dude's an athletic. Like when he's at his best, he's dynamic. Right, exactly. So what was missing is is, is that element since that game. The Bills have now added that back into their offense. The past four games, I think Allen has, what, six rushing t- touchdowns? That has now opened up the field for Devin Singletary, who also has five rushing touchdowns in the last couple games. Also opened up the field for Diggs. It's opened up the field for Isaiah McKenzie to come out. There, there's just so much more to this Bills offense than what happened in that past game. Another point is Mac Jones. Listen, he's, he's awesome. Love him. The dude has never played. A seventeen, a sixteen-game season, nevertheless, a seventeen-game season. In his That's entire the amount life. of games he played in his entire career at Bama with seventeen. It's, it's asking a lot. He has hit the rookie wall, and I think you can see it where where the throws that were there in Week Five aren't there anymore. They're just not being made, and and the offense is being adjusted to 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 um to like make up for that. But it's just like like you guys said, the Bills are just too talented, and. I love the past this year. I do. I think you guys are talented. You guys have come a long way. This is, listen, this is a very successful season for the New England Patriots, no matter what happens. Especially if you consider how you started. Right, exact. 100%. But yeah, they don't have a chance in this game. I really don't. If they do, I will be shocked. I will be shocked if they win this game. I'll give you guys a lot of credit if you do, though. 100%. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, yeah. But can I ask you a question to the Patriots fans in the room? Because this is obviously you guys watch them closer than I do, but. Do, do you find that Joshua Daniels, if he has any drawbacks or if you have any criticisms of him, is one of them that he tends to like try to like keep his hand in the stew a little bit when things aren't going right? Like, I just think he like tries to to control the offense like almost too much. Like, it's like, just let him just let him play to his strengths and let him try to like throw his way out of this slump. You know what I mean? Like, let him try and get him get his way back into the game as opposed to like. He's always trying to be a little bit too clever for his own good. And I think in the playoffs against a dynamic team like Buffalo, like that could really be your undoing if he doesn't start well, if, if Mac Jones doesn't start well. Did, does anyone find that with, with McDaniels or is that just, am I just making that up? Do you think that's why maybe they're more successful at the end of games? Because you notice that too with teams like that, where once they get in that no huddle, they let him play. 
Yeah, just let him play. That, that's, that's your well, because you can't so just you can't talk play. to him on the headset all, right. all day, right? So you you have to you have to telegraph the plays, and then that's your hand being in the stew, right? Is is you telegraphing those plays? I think that that's always been who Bill and Josh are, and I think that was one of Tom's underlying criticisms of the both of them is that there was always that much control and that much need to be a part of everything going on, which is why I think we've seen Tom brady down in tampa a lot look over to the sidelines at specifically byron leftwich and be like no i'm i'm running a b and c i'm not going to run your x y and z but you know we've talked about this and, and i don't think it's in a disrespectful way towards byron leftwich i think byron leftwich is a very good offensive coordinator and the best thing that ever happened to his career was having tom brady because i think he's learning so much from tom brady as a former nfl quarterback but from a Mac Jones standpoint, Dave, to answer your question. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of my biggest criticisms of Josh is that sometimes he tries to go back to the well on those plays that he digs out from the back of the playbook too often. And honestly, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that the interceptions by Mac Jones weren't Mac Jones's fault, but one of them was on a throw to Nikhil Harry to bring him back up after Nikhil Harry had dropped the ball in the previous play and they tried to go back to him and he forced it to him because that was his target. And that's, and that is, I feel what the play call was. I'll just say a couple, uh, just one, just one last thing. Uh, McDaniels has always done a really like a too good of a job of making trick plays, your offense, instead of making trick plays, a catalyst for your offense. He relies on them far too much, especially in situations where he's unsure of. He sort of believes in his own myth a little bit. Yeah, like, in absolutely. The, yeah. Like he, he believes that that could be an offense instead of instead of the catalyst. And then also, like to your point about uh, you know Bobby and DK, like at the end of games, it looks like Mac is is doing better. He's typically when he looks that good, he's down. They're down two scores. Yeah, it's garbage time, really. So like you can't really get yeah. Yeah, defense is letting up. So a thirty-five yard completion doesn't look the same in the fourth with four minutes left, and you're down by yeah. fifteen as it as it would in the first. So after Mike gave the segue to us, enjoy this clip from our previous 100 shows. You've been covering the Celtics for a long time, right? Has there ever been a period since you've been in town where they've had this much talent and underperformed this significantly? Well, I mean, the this is a long time. The 83 team, they were swept by the Bucks in the playoffs. And they had four Hall of Famers, you know, so they lost a 4-0 series. And they had Mikhail Parrish, Bird. They had Tiny Archibald. There's four Hall of Famers there. They were swept four straight. That was pretty bad. But anyway, they won 57 games during the season, so they weren't chumps. And they won the championship the next year when they acquired Dennis Johnson. But that would be the closest to being dysfunctional. It was the end of the turn for Bill Fitch before they switched coaches, and some things had to happen. And there were some really dark days in the 70s when they had you know McAdoo and Curtis Rowe and Sidney Wicks and there was some dysfunction going on there. The end for Cowens, all that stuff. But this is a hard team to watch. Yeah. They are so soft at the end of these games. It just makes you want to kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just sick of Josh, though. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't particularly care what you play, what he tries to set together. I, I, I don't care. Like, so whatever, 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 however you want to bash him, DK and Bobby do so, but I can't fucking stand him. So I, I, I he, he sucks to me. So. Um, yeah, but yes, yeah, let Matt play though. Let's bring him back up in the coaching segment again because I, I, he, 
he he's going to be a big part of that. No, Bobby, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I have something that actually kind of, I think that was uh, a good point about the hand in the wealth thing, because if you watch uh, Man in the Arena, um, which is amazing, if anyone out there hasn't watched it yet, you fucking should, because it's unbelievable. Um, Tom Brady is unreal. I wonder if you would have said that two years ago, guys. Bill O'Brien was the, the most fun and most successful Tom Brady has had as a New England Patriot, as a football player, is when he was at, at his top form. And do you know what Bill O'Brien did week in, week out? Confided in Tom Brady and let Tom Brady run Tom Brady's offense. It, they, they, they kind of masterminded it together. So I, I, I did just want to go back and be like, that was it's a good point. Bill O'Brien's a good, uh, another good coach to bring up later because uh, he's been mentioned for a few jobs as well. But Bobby, uh, while, while we're on the topic of, of you, uh, your Cowboys take on the Jimmy Garoppolo-led San Francisco 49ers on Sunday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. That's 1.30 p.m. in Dave hours. What do you feel about this game against the 49ers? Uh, and, and I guess I see this one as another like high seed, low seed situation. Like I almost see this as a walkthrough for the Cowboys. What do you think? No, I listen, the 49ers are absolutely one of the more underrated teams in football. Um, to be honest, they scare me. The, the one downfall of the Cowboys defense so far this year is North to South running. Um, that a team that just kind of runs it up the gut has been able to run it right up our throat. Um, which is kind of scary because they have Elijah Mitchell, uh, Jeff Wilson. They have dudes that can really run up the gut. However, the thing that drives that San Francisco offense is Debo Samuel. And the Cowboys have been successful, Alvin Kamara, at shutting down that those dynamic running backs, those dudes who do everything. And I feel like that's really the biggest key to this game. If the Cowboys can shut down Debo, shut down that rush offense and make Jimmy throw the ball saying 23 to 25 times. If he's above, if he's above 23 to 25 passes in this game, that is the Cowboys bread and butter right there. We'll, we'll force two to three turnovers. We'll have a great game. If the 49ers rush for over 150 yards in this game, the Dallas Cowboys are in trouble. And, and that scares the crap out of me. I, I, I loved it when we got that three seed. I was very happy. But when the 49ers were the draw, man, it, 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 it honestly to me was one of the worst draws because we struggle against tight ends, George Kittle. We struggle against the rush, and that's what the Niners do. So that's, that's what the Cowboys have to focus on is getting the ball into Jimmy's hand. And then the other side of it is, man, if the offense doesn't show up, I don't know. I, I think they're going to. I know you're coming at it from a Cowboys like fan perspective, but like I feel like anybody in the NFC would have been pissed if they drew the 49ers right now. Like mm-hmm. they're so fucking hype. Like they're they're so yeah. confident high confidence high. Like I was like big on the Cowboys going into the playoffs. I was looking at my playoff bets, and then they they ended up getting stuck with the Niners, which was like not even the most it. probable thing that was going to happen. And I was like, ooh, and it just like it fucked me up a little bit on like a lot of the bets I was going to make because I honestly think the Forty ers are just like you know everybody's least desired team to a drawn. So like you definitely drew this short straw here. That being said, if you're going to know what the Patriots-Bills game is going to look like in the first five minutes. You're sure as hell going to know what the Cowboys-49ers uh, game is going to look like in the first five minutes. As a small side, by the way, 
the Cowboys and the 49ers play in the playoffs makes me feel like I'm 11 years old again. It's great. Yeah, it's like I just, I love, I love that this rivalry is heated back up. It's a great NFC rivalry. I love the 49ers being good. They're just in my head, a team that should be good. Um, so it's just going to be cool. Uh, but yeah, that being said, I think you're going to know if, if it's going to be, you're going to be, it's going to be based on Dak and how, what he looks like in the first five minutes um, that they're out on the field, at least on, on that side of the ball. It, I think the the advantage you have um, for your defense is they only know how to play one way. So they're going to go in and this is great for a playoff team. They're going to go in and they're going to play to their identity and whatever happens. Yeah, they might run it up the gut on you, whatever. But what's definitely not going to happen is they're not going to be able to avoid this, the pass rush. They're not going to be able to avoid the sack and they're going to be shit scared to go in deep every single time because all your secondary guys are ball hawks. So yeah, run it up the gut if you want. If your offense is working through the air and theirs isn't, that's all she wrote. You know, that's that's it. That's a fucking wrap. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's yes, you're going to know in the first five minutes, it could be a long day for you. But I honestly think it's gonna be a battle. It's super exciting. Everybody's like, there's a ton of good players on show. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm super pumped for it. So, Bobby, I got a question for you, bro. So I'm, I'm going to go Rick Pitino on you. <laughs> so is is Garrison Hurst walking through that door? Garrison Hurst is not walking through that door. Steve Young walking through that door. No, he's not. Is J.J. Stokes walking through that door? No, right? What Jay a Rice. name. No J.J. Stokes, no. Jay Rice, not Brian Young, whoever you want to put out there. None of those guys are walking through the door. So guess what? It's, Cowboys are going to, they're going to dog walk San Francisco on, on this weekend. Like, don't, don't, don't worry. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's cute to give the, the humble response. And as someone from the outside looking at it, my brother's a 49ers fan. So I, I need y'all to dog walk them so I can talk shit to him over the weekend. I need y'all to win this game. Um, but I, I got y'all when it's like, listen, it's, this is not the, this is not the rematch of the nineties. This is not even the teams of the seventies. Like this is, this is not that, um, Dallas is the better team. And if y'all just show up, it's over. It's over. Dallas is the better team. And, and I, I agree that they're going to win. And I said it to start the segment, right? Like I, I said, they're, they're going to basically to, to quote Rayshon, they're going to die walk the 49ers. However, what would be the weakest point? In the Cowboys team, Bobby. So it's twofold. It's it's so it it really depends if Dak's not if Dak if Dak doesn't show up. Bingo. That is the biggest weak point because it, it. I said it on I think it was last week. Weeks one through nine is DVOA, which is for a quarterback. It's it's what keeps the drive going. It's the plays that um really really are are the the backbone of a long 10-11 play drive. Weeks one through nine, he was third in the league. Weeks nine and on, he's like 23rd. All right, he has, he has weeks here and there where he's top five. He's amazing. Those are the weeks we put up 50 points. If he's not on point, we struggle. Um, and so I, that, that's what it comes down to. If we get the All-American deck, I'm confident I think we can win this game by 30 points. If we get the deck that's missing third and 10, second and nine out routes, throwing them to the wrong shoulder, behind the dude just just missing the throws that he makes we're in trouble so i i was i couldn't agree with dk more you're gonna know what game this is by the first three passes that dax throws over 10 yards he's not gonna have any excuses either because their secondary is all fucked up yeah it's a, the first three passes this you'll know yeah. as an outsider I, and so bobby i i guess that this this is more of a question to you though i think i don't think that's true i think w- uh, off the first let's say four rushes of Zeke. If we see the old Zeke that we, that we all, uh, that we all grew up, you know, like, came to love. 
I think that makes Dak better. Now, I, I personally believe that, that your best that you're you're never going to win a Super Bowl if your best player is running back. Said it uh, before. I'll say it again. I'll say it on episode two hundred three. But I think Dak puts a lot of, of uh, he puts a lot of equity in how Zeke's playing and if in it what he has to do to carry that team. So if he sees if he sees Zeke, you know, make a cut in the backfield and then get tackled for a loss, not hit that burst, he thinks it has to be on him. Maybe he forces a throw. Maybe that dumbass of a head coach you have tells him to to force more throws. And now you're in a situation where I think they are going to stop the run. Though, like I think they have really good linebackers. I think they have really good run stopping. And I I think it is going to come down to Dak, regardless of what happens. And I think they should have that. They they should know that going in. Like they should be. It would be irresponsible for them not be like, hey Dak, you you need to win us this game. We're not going to win it on the ground because they're hurt. They're hurting um, in their secondary, but all their linebackers are healthy and their linebackers are good as fuck. Yeah, they have a very good front seven. I mean, I'm just saying, if, if you look at all the Cowboys' losses and all, and all of Dak's worst games, look at Zeke's performance, too. There is a direct correlation between how he plays and how the rushing attack starts off. Sure, but like, I'm still confused as to why they don't throw him the ball anymore. It just doesn't make any sense to me. He's like, still fast. <laughs> we talked about it last week. DK, yeah, he's like, change of pace now. Yeah. He's like, change of pace now. He's not... He's or Pollard's the change of pace. Pollard comes in for passing downs. Pollard plays that dynamic role, and Zeke runs up the gut. He doesn't really throw to him very often either, though. He doesn't really like dump it down like, if, like as effectively as I would like him to, and that, that's what I think he runs into trouble is because he's what? like he's going over ten yards every time, and like if you don't get that going, I mean that just might be the style of quarterback he is, you know. And like if he can get it going, great. But if you don't get that going, then you are forcing shit, you are throwing shit into smaller pockets. You know what I mean? It's like if you can just dump it down a couple times, just loosen it up. It always annoys when I watch that Cowboys offense. Like the opposite of how I feel when I watch their defense because I love watching their defense. But I'm like, dude, just like loosen it up a little bit. Like, let's like make some plays out of the backfield. You know what I mean? It's just, I just don't see it that often. And I used to, I think Zeke, in my eyes, at least, I don't know the numbers, but he was one of the best at that for like a long time. Like he, like he could move from back there. So, you know, you look at how the Chiefs play, like they, that's, they, they build their whole offense from the line of scrimmage, like after the ball comes out of uh, Mahomes' hands a lot of the time. And I just think like, that's how you have to play to open up those deep throws, you know? And I think that's why Dak runs into that trouble sometimes. Does that, does that come from Amari Cooper uh, coming out and... Being banged up. Yeah, well, being a little upset that he wasn't getting the ball. Yeah, I mean, so... So, to, to first, to piggyback off of what DK just said, I completely, if you look at the Cowboys' best game so far this year, it is when that backfield, and what Mike said, when that backfield is dynamic, um, especially, and listen, I don't... I mean to keep bringing up his name, but Tony Pollard, man, he I, I honestly think he's one of the biggest X factors in this game. When Pollard is electric, when Pollard is making plays, the Cowboys offense is so different. And I honestly think at this point when Tony Pollard is on the field, defenses are more scared of him than they are when Zeke's on the field. And, and, and I don't think that that is a, a question anymore. Payback on what you said, Joe. Amari Cooper might, so as soon as he... I think it was, was it the Patriots game or it came after? It might have been the Vikings game. When he banged up his hamstring, that's, that and Dak's injury were, were just such a obvious correlation of when that offense started to go downhill. When those two weren't on the same page, when they weren't at 100%, they're not connecting, that's when you see things go wrong. Don't forget, a year and a half ago, Cowboys fans, including myself, were questioning if Dak Prescott was a franchise quarterback. We're questioning if this guy could make these throws. And then who did the Cowboys give up a first-round pick for? Amari Cooper. And it changed everything. That season changed on a dime. 
and we went to the playoffs. It was amazing. Dak's a franchise quarterback again. I, I, I think Amari's a big piece of this offense. Those are the two X factors of the offense, Pollard and Amari. Mike, th- this question kind of goes to you because we're going we're gonna to talk about the last wild card matchup that we oh haven't God, mentioned yet. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the two teams that have a bye this week. But <clears throat> to lead into this, um, Dak Prescott, if he loses to the 49ers on Sunday afternoon, would we be able to start thinking about putting him in the same category as Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford? No, when it comes to playing the playoffs, no, 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 no. I would say Dak has overcome more, uh, more obstacles in his career already than Aaron Rodgers ever has. Right. I I think uh, to come back from that, that type of an injury, that catastrophic of an injury that you did last year and in game one against the defending Super Bowl champions to put up that type of performance and show you that he still is the guy, I, I, I think in, in in reality, we we might uh, look back and say uh, in in a couple of years if they if they don't win a Super Bowl in the, in this next you know three, if, if he only just had a coach that was intelligent, right? That's what we always used to think about Matt Stafford. Turns out the guy just can't beat a good team. Uh, that, that that's that's just the facts. Uh, that's that, that's that you know that's history. I think what what was his record, Bobby? Like nine and one hundred and seventy five against us <laughs> against <laughs> teams the winning record, but. I, Dak's the guy. He's the guy that you build a franchise around. He's and, and and if you know, I think I don't know if he has the clout yet, but if this doesn't work with McCarthy, I think you, if he wants to pick the coach, you bring it. You 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 bring in whatever coach he wants to bring in, and you build that team around him. I, I Aaron Rodgers was uh, the product of a situation where, you know, he had a Hall of Fame quarterback right behind him, and he still had a pretty good offensive uh, uh, scheme around him too. And the guy's a freak athlete, sure. And then, and then he went to one Super Bowl and he won one, and he's never been back again. And he constantly chokes. So no, yeah, and not- everybody had to fucking trip over their own dick on the, on his way to the fucking Super. That's particular Super Bowl too. Like it's not as if he was he came up against like a, an elite array of fucking array of fucking uh, teams in that in that NFC run. Fucking Jay Cutler had to like shoot himself in the fucking face for that shit to happen, and like to just embarrass us. So that wasn't even that good of a Bears team. That's all I'm saying. And we like almost had him. He did beat a, a if the Steelers had won that, we, we, we would have considered the Steelers a, a dynasty in, in the 2010s if they had won that one because it would have been two and yeah. three. So like he had, he, he didn't beat that team. Um, but no, I think Dak is, he's already in the upper echelon of, of, of NFL quarterbacks. Well, you have to, but you have to rate Aaron Rodgers higher than Dak Prescott right now, though. Hold on, three-year three five? I don't know. No, I just mean like one-to-one. Listen, when, when you look at who you want to lead your football team, who you want to take your team into battle, it's in in not ta- all talent aside, which I guess is a lot aside Dude, for a quarterback everything. football game, it's everything. <laughs> but when you're looking at just like leadership skills and things like that, I honestly think Dak might be the top guy in the NFL. So if you can get, Eighty to ninety percent of what Aaron Rodgers is at. You think? Dad, you right? think? You think Dak Prescott's a better leader than Tom Brady? Stop. All right. All right. Stop. No. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> One top top five. <laughs> Hang on. He's top a better five. leader. Hey, Wait. what's your chance, Bob? It's okay. Top it's five. Okay. Top five. No, he's not Tom Brady. He's top three. We'll go top three. Now I'll go top three. But um, if you can get that out of Dak, it, it it's so uh pivotal that he has those leadership skills that I just think it raises that even more, which is why the Cowboys really tied their bandwagon to him. Well, regardless of 
his sometimes mediocre play, regardless of these things, the Cowboys look at him as someone they're going to tie their franchise to. So win or loss, it doesn't matter. He's not going to be put into that echelon of like losers in the playoffs because guess what? He's not going anywhere. Um, and he's got to be back again with another shot to do it. So um, I just think the character he is and who he is has got to keep him out of that. Can't win in the playoffs category for now. This is how we're going to talk about Mac Jones in like three years, just so you know. When after they beat the Bills on Sunday evening, so the only game we haven't talked about in the wild card round, which the 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 Dak Prescott question uh, was supposed to lead into, is uh, Matt Stafford's Rams taking on Kyler Murray's Cardinals on Monday Night Football. Uh, this is this is an intriguing football game, guys. Like it it, it really is. Uh, it's out there at SoFi Stadium in DK's backyard. Um, I think DK actually owns part of SoFi Stadium. I'm really just trying to get him back focused on what we're talking about here. Uh, but uh, but the, the Cardinals and Rams on Monday Night Football. Um, Ray, who takes this one and why? Ooh, um, just to piss Mike off, I'm going with the Rams. Um, I, I've been a Stafford supporter. I think Stafford, Alex, I wanted him here in New England. We talked about this. So, so did Mike. No, right. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, he did. That's all, I forgot he, he did. He was saying to the Lions, uh, or whatever. He said Stafford can't win the big game, but um, I, I, I think that you know, I think that they find a way to get it done. Like Arizona's not ready; they're not like they're they're a good team. Um, obviously, Kyler Murray is, is, is ascending. Um, like but he, he's still a, maybe a year or two away from being a guy that you think can make a deep run. So, um, granted, he's already had a schedule, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I think that you know, um. It was talking about legacy, like Matt Stafford, you got to win this game, bro. Like, like this is clearly the best team you've ever been on. Like, you've got to at least get to division round, at least. Um, like it's got to be you and Tampa Bay, like in the in the in the, in the NFC Championship game. Like, you cannot uh, lose in the earlier earlier round. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 riding with the Rams. I think Stafford has a great game against Arizona. Um, I don't, I don't think Hopkins is coming back for Arizona, so I know that that's a, that's a big. He's not. He's not. I, I know there was there was talks of him maybe coming back, but it's like, yeah, no. I just think that, you know, between uh, Cooper Cup is a fucking beast. Um, and I, I just think that he's going to get whatever he wants against that secondary as he has. He's had he's done on the whole league this year. And um, yeah, I, I think I think uh, L.A. finds a way to get it done. I mean, the that. Rams probably are going to win, but like, I don't think that that answers any Matt Stafford questions. You know, I think like, well, at least not yet. Yeah, not yet. Yeah, they but they're going to come up against a team, you know, they're going to come up against a team pretty in pretty short order afterwards. What that uh, is likely going to test the Matt Stafford theory pretty effectively. And like, we're yeah. probably going to come to the same conclusion, right? It's it's not as if uh, like a very bank, like, would you have the Cardinals if they were fully healthy, though? No, I, I still would pick uh, the Rams. Really? I feel like a fully healthy Cardinals. I'm taking the Cardinals just because of Matt Stafford, because I think he sucks. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, and I did this history behind that, that statement, so I, I get that. But yeah, watching him play football—that's that's yeah, no, history. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm mean, also in division, so I, I get it. But it's just like I, I just, I just think, yeah, I just like maybe I'm, I'm biased towards this play. Like I, I think that once he, I just figured, I said, man, if he ever got around a team that can actually play, we would see it. And we saw it for a good amount of the year. Obviously, he, he tailed off um, a little bit. They had some, um, some moments, some uh, bad moments in, in recent, uh, in the recent weeks. But yeah. Um, no, I, I agree with you though, DK. Like, I just I think like this this game would help it, obviously, but but they're probably looking at the Bucks after this, right? Like that's probably the most likely scenario. Yeah, because they did a what seed today? They did a four seed, right? Was uh, it was it three? So if the no, I'm saying, yeah, Rams are four, right? Rams are four. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So 
Yeah, they would they would face they would face Tampa. But if so the Cowboys like, yeah. won, you would play them. If the Niners, yeah, if the Cowboys won, win, we play the winner of yeah, Arizona gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. or L.A. No matter what. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, but this if the Cowboys go through, they're smashing the fucking Rams. Yeah, that I agree with. I agree with that. Yeah, I think that, that Dallas would beat L.A. If, that, if that's the case. So, but we got to get there. So, yep. Yes, we do. That Rams defense is pretty good. That that team is actually top to bottom. Probably on paper, it's probably a top three team in the NFL. Like on paper, raw, looking at, at who's on the roster. I badly want. I badly want a Cowboys Packers NFC Championship game. I, oh, uh, I, 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 I would. I would pay good money. To I see want that. it. I want it from the bottom of my heart. But I also don't. I also don't want it. Dude, from you got to get your revenge. <laughs> you got to get your revenge, Bobby. Oh, bro, it's, it's so it's many heartbreaks. Time. DK, did the you ever? Did, let tundra. me ask you this. Let me ask. Did you ever get your revenge? No, Peyton Manning retired. Yeah. Well, not Peyton. Oh, never mind. I met on Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> no, hey, Dave, that Super Bowl doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I was wrong about Odell Beckham Jr., though. I, I will admit that I was wrong about Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, we told you that. We told you that from the beginning, though, dude. Don't need to own that one. I told Bobby what what Danny was going to do, and you guys never believed me there either. So what does it matter what you told me at the time? No. So I know, I'll never <laughs> forget. Hey, we just wanted him here, bro. We just wanted him here. Right. I, I know. You I, no no way. Get, do what, with the way that this Patriots team is constructed right now, the, he would have made a it, it would have been a problem. He got us to 11 to 6 at 12 to 5. And we ended up having the first round by out of taking. So that, I'm just glad Mike me. didn't get uh, Russell Westbrook on the fucking on Celtics, to be quite honest with you. Because <laughs> I was like, Jesus, I hope he doesn't have anybody's ear because that's going to be a disaster. Bobby, I'll never forget being in a Dunkin' Donuts drive through seeing the alert that said uh, Gordon Hayward Heading to Hornets, Celtics get nothing. I literally looked at it and went, fucking Joe. This is the first <laughs> thing I said. And Katie, Katie was crying next to me. She goes, what? I was like, don't, don't even worry about Yo, it. Dude, but don't forget. Don't forget that like the shot heard around the world a few weeks before that was Joe going, no way they're going to get it with less than two seconds left and hit a three <laughs> from the fucking corner. No way they're going to get it for less. Oh, my God. And I was like slightly delayed and I just like watched it go in. And like we literally have been trashed since that moment. We have been trashed since that moment. So, like, hey, honestly, listen. every time you say to yourself, just remember Danny, fucking remember that too. Okay. <laughs> that one counts also. That was the first real, like, pathetic blown lead, too. But wait, we, we, we yeah, can't start ourselves the podcast right, right now. Wait, hang on. Yeah, right, anyway, time out. Time out. Wait, back to the first. NFL. So, wait, before you go, I think people, and uh, uh, I guess you guys are forgetting how good the goddamn Cardinals were. When they had DeAndre Hopkins, when they were healthy, I wasn't. I said I. I said I had them if they were all healthy. Fuck you. Listen, <laughs> besides you, besides you. So, if if they were healthy, I think there's no doubt about it. The the Rams are too soft. The Cardinals are too talented. If the Cardinals are healthy, they beat the Rams for sure. DeAndre Hopkins is such a big piece of this offense. It's it's immeasurable what he does for Kyler Murray. Like you literally, you can't measure it. So. Well, there are the the catching statistics. <laughs> you can't <laughs> no, no, just watching the off the eye test, the eye yeah, test, yeah, whatever yeah. the fuck. Oh, it, it's 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 the confidence. Though, Bobby's Bobby. like I, he I washes you. his car on the weekends. He takes he does, soup bro. to his mom when she's sick. Bro, you cannot his, measure this shit. He pays for his happy end. Oh no, that's Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Mike, go ahead. I was gonna say real, real, real quick before you go. I I think low key, what everyone's missing out 
here on because it's easy to focus on Stafford. Uh, we all said that, that that Sean McVay would have a would win a Super Bowl if he had a quarterback that can throw. He does now, so do it. Or, or this is an indictment on you as a coach now too. Does he? Yes, I mean Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford can can do a lot of things. Throw is one of them. Yeah, but like you're not going to blame Sean McVay if Matt Stafford goes out there and stinks up the fucking place. You're going to blame Matt Stafford. So wait, wait. So oh, Mike, still- you might. To this day, I so, will. But... Mike wasn't nine. <laughs> Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford has never beat a team with ten wins. Correct. In his career, it has never. Yeah, but the happened. natural rebuttal to that, in fairness, just to be the devil's advocate, is he played on the Detroit Lions, the worst fucking franchise in the world, with the greatest, with one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Yeah, when he was like a baby, when he was a baby. Listen, That's, I can tell. I don't, I'm not defending Matt Stafford. Fuck Matt Stafford. Move yeah, on. listen, I can tell you. I can tell you <laughs> that like Trent Dilfer's beat a team with ten wins. Um, Matt Moore's beat a team with ten wins. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there who have beaten a team with ten wins. Context matters. Don't do that, sir. Just saying. Yeah, you're, you're, Trent Dilfer. Context matters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we have the best fucking defense of all time. <laughs> context matters, sir. <laughs> so just saying. Next, we're going to move into uh, Black Monday and head coaches in the NFL that have lost their job and head coach openings uh, in the NFL. And actually, there's a head coach opening in the playoffs. So uh, that and more uh, and Dave's celebration of Matt Nagy uh, leaving Chicago coming up after this next clip from Craig. Anyway, so Mac Jones, Mike. Um, you, you threw in a, a bunch of numbers here, uh, re- regarding Mac Jones. It was very difficult for Mac Jones to be bad at Alabama. We just talked about that, right? Right, Dave. Uh, and Ray, you and I have talked about SEC quarterbacks, how they stink when they get to the NFL. So Mike, read us through, uh, Mac Jones and what he did with two of the best wide receivers in college football. Yeah. So I, this is why I'm irritated by this pick, right? So he had he had a great year last year, no doubt about it. Any year where he where, where Alabama only played SEC opponents, I get that too. But also in a year where SEC defenders opted out, that he was not playing against the best and only right opponent. But 100 passing yards, 41 touchdowns, four picks. I get it. I'm pretty certain that every single one of us could account for 28 to 35 touchdowns with Devontae Smith and, Wa- and Waddle to throw to. But I'm still still not sold on this, man. I, I think that I think Bill wanted him the entire time. He was never going to move for him. And Grady, he got his guy. But if he starts this year at any point in time, it's because things are going really bad. It's because the quarterback room, that now has Jared Stidham and Cam Newton in it are that bad. So it's almost, if we want Mac Jones to do well in the NFL, I think he should sit for for a year. I think he's probably, yeah, I've heard that he's one of the most pro-ready quarterbacks in the draft. He's throwing to Smith and those people. Uh, he'll actually going to, uh, well, I guess Hunter Henry and, and, and John New Smith are pretty good. I'll, I'll give him that. But I'm, I, don't, I don't love this pick. I've never been so mad at Bill doing what, what I've been asking him to do for the last five years. Like, I I begged him to take a quarterback in the first round the last three months. And he did. I'm still pissed off. Well, you knew three of them were going to be gone. And it's interesting. It's I'm glad, glad you brought up the point where the people have said that he's the most pro-ready quarterback. On a certain radio program, on a certain uh, radio station this afternoon. To Joe in Missing the Point, the 100th episode with an asterisk. 
Uh, it's like all those Patriot Super Bowls. Uh, so the, in the last few days, did he just uh, said it. He dude, said did it. he just say that? Fucking the NFL coaching that clip on every uh, show. The NFL coaching carousel uh, has begun, and uh, one of the first casualties was actually the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, so the Las Vegas Raiders, though they are in the playoffs, technically have a coach, a head coach opening. The Jacksonville Jaguars fired Urban Meyer because he's a piece of trash. Uh, so they have a head coach opening. And then uh, on Monday, we got word uh, that there was going to be a few more and a few that one that was very surprising. Vic Fangio fired in Denver. Matt Nagy fired in Chicago. Brian Flores, for some reason, fired from Miami. Uh, and then uh, on the day that we are recording this, January 11th, Joe Judge was fired after apparently having a meeting with the Maras, uh, the owners of the New York Giants, about what he had planned uh, to better the franchise. Apparently, after 24 hours of overlooking his plan, they said, nah, and they told him to kick rocks. So he'll be back in New England pretty quick as the special teams coordinator. Uh, but guys, I let's start with Dave because Dave, 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 after two years of of yelling and screaming at the Discord, at the at your microphone, it finally happened. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace fired from your Chicago Bears. Take a lap. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's been tough, man. It's been, it's been a heavy albatross to carry. I appreciate you guys understanding. I'll tell you, it's uh, the Mad Nagy show, um, whilst corresponded better with the podcast, um, as unpleasant as it was. Uh, and I, you know, I was out on him when we were winning, if you guys remember, because you could just yep. tell he sucked. Uh, the Ryan Pace show has been really the most painful thing to have to live through. Um, that guy is a knucklehead and like yeah, I, could, I could barely say it out loud you know it was really hard to criticize him because i've known for so many years that it's like festered now um into this horrible thing where i just i just knew every decision he made was bad and when he finally got justin fields it was like the most unryan pace thing to do to actually do a good thing um although he did the exact same thing just on the wrong guy like the first time around uh that wasn't a good look but uh, that being over is great. Um, it feels like a weight's lifted off. Um, I think we have a lot of really good personnel. I think we've got a really talented young quarterback. If I, I think that it, it, the most obvious coaching and like front office flaws in the league were in Chicago because of the personnel that they have. Like, I think a lot of people were looking at that team going, "Come on, man, you guys are better than this." That so it's got to be the coaches, you know, and they're making terrible bonehead decisions, going forward on fourth down with dumbass fourth and one plays. Like, just I just I don't have to live through that anymore, and it's and it's nice. The question now is who do we get? Um, and there's like a lot of great candidates out there, and the most important thing is they're not Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, and that's going to be their most important quality coming into this uh, into these interviews. Um, but then, like, the Dolphins do some dumb shit like uh, fire Flores. I'm like, fucking sign him up, dude. Like, that guy could come in and, and coach the Bears. And, like, you know, it depends on what your long-term goal is here. Like, are you trying to win now? Because I think that you potentially could. I think you could potentially, if if you get the right guy for Justin Fields and you get a, and you and you focus your head coach and GM search on, let's make Justin Fields good now. He's got Darnell Mooney. He's got David Montgomery. Montgomery. He's got um. He's got a, a good young defense on the other side of the ball. Like you might think of of some of the older guys, uh, like Akeem Hicks and stuff. Like when it, when it, when he first comes to your mind, but we have Roquan Smith. 
Like we have guys on on both sides of the ball that are young that you could like really build a team around long term. Um, but also, you know, we we have a lot of really a lot of really good players that are veterans. So it, the the floor is open for somebody to come in with a vision and say, I think this is where the Bears need to go in the next two years or three to five years or whatever it is. And I think that's what they should be like listening for when they interview these candidates. Like, what are you going to bring to the table? Like, what are you like? Paint us a picture of what what this team's going to look like over the next few years. And honestly, if it's let's make Justin Fields great at year five uh, or year four, that's fine with me. Or if it's let's make I can make Justin Fields great next year, that's fucking fine with me too. Um, so whatever. And there's you know there's guys there's candidates in, in both jobs that like look like they could do either of those things. You know, I, I think if you bring Flores here, it's a longer term project. Um, but if you bring Harbaugh in, maybe you're going for something next year or the year after. Like I, I genuinely believe that we do have great personnel and they're, they've been horrifically undervalued. And if you look at the Dallas Cowboys defense, you know, it just goes to show you can have the right personnel and the wrong coach um, and, and make a change of coaching. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the floodgates open. And I, I think if you remember, yeah, we've spent some time watching the Bears fucking suck. So I understand like, you know, your apprehension if you have it. But if you if you remember, there were some pretty good signs, you know, for, for a little while there, especially defensively. Um, and we do have some weapons that I think some people would be envious of. Uh, I think there's some receivers that the Patriots would fucking love to have, to be quite honest with you. And like the fucking sky's the limit guys. The fucking sky's the limit. It's, it's a fucking happy week for me. <laughs> Fuck those guys. They were the worst. I should have known because of the visor. I should have known right away. <laughs> Did Brian Flores do a good enough job with Tua Tagovailoa? Uh, yeah, to, well, that's what he might not be the best for, for Justin Fields in, in that sense. Um, I think Fields is more talented personally, but again, I'm biased. Absolutely. But uh, but yes, I agree. It's more of like a team, um, a team building exercise if you bring him in for in for that. Um, but again, it depends. I think you do GM first, and I think you you have him paint you a picture of what what it's going to look like, and then go get your man. Just go get your man. Whatever you need, we'll back you. Uh, just go get him. Whether it's you know pulling Harbaugh in or the Ohio State guy. Or, you know, the fucking and not I'd prefer not the Chiefs offensive coordinator, but like whatever. <laughs> like if that's if that's the vision, I will and we already had a Chiefs offensive coordinator, it didn't go well. Um, I don't know if you remember it was he just got fired a few days ago. Um, but it's uh, you know, like having these guys at whatever, you know, whatever if we get the right guy at GM, I think the dominoes will fall after that. That's how I think we should approach it. I hope they do. They'll probably fuck it up though. I don't we don't need to go through the names of the general manager candidates for the Chicago Bears. They're all, I mean, most of them were, you, you kind of just listed out a few of them by, by job, but the notable head coaching uh, requests or, or guys that they're going to interview are uh, Leslie Frazier and Brian Dable, who are the defensive and offensive coordinator uh, coordinators of the bills, uh, both offensive and defensive coordinators for the Buccaneers, Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich. Um, uh, and then Dan Quinn, who is the Cowboys defensive coordinator. He's my number one. He's my number one. Former head coaches, Doug Peterson and Brian Flores. And and you want Dan Quinn. And I, I, I think Bobby would be very I you know what I loved with Dan Quinn twenty eight to three aside, what Dan Quinn did in Atlanta and how he built that team, I think would have I a think that was Matt Ryan's fault. Could have gone better. Get Dan Quinn in here. Just to be clear, like he didn't build that team, which is why I would advocate that. Uh, I said this to, to Dave uh, yesterday. Like, if you have if you have the vacancy, get Dimitrov. Dimitrov knows how to build a team from the ground up and surround it with young talent. He built what should have been a wagon 
in Atlanta. It just happens that you have a quarterback with no nuts, and you don't have that in in Chicago. I mean, I think Justin Fields is the guy that just needs that that just needs to be surrounded. So if you get Dan Quinn and Dimitrov in Chicago to do a do over, they could wreak havoc in that division for the next five to seven years. And the the time is right, you know, because right. uh, uh, what's his name? Aaron Rodgers is out of out of himself as a fucking roof shingle of a human being. <laughs> And has like basically done the PR tour from fucking hell for the last six months. He's literally the dumbest man I have. I'm forced to listen to other than Joe Rogan, the guy he listens to. So like, it's been great. And like, he's, you know, I know the Packers are the best team. I know we, you know, we probably, I'm probably gonna have to suffer a few another couple, but he is old. You know, he is certifiably, I believe he's just turned 75. So like, I think that like being, being a 75 year old quarterback is tough. And I think he's gone his way out. So like the time is ripe. It's time. The fucking Vikings are trash. The fucking Lions will always be trash. I'm 99% sure Aaron Rodgers is 113 years old today. So just get him the fuck out of here. The Packers will get worse. The time, we got to make this, we got to make the right choice. We have to make the right choice here. Otherwise, it's the, the franchise is on the line here. We don't, we don't have much more time left. You could live in a world very soon where the starting quarterbacks in that division are Justin Fields, Jordan Love, Kirk Cousins, and Jared Goff. And yeah. if you... And and you you want to be the guys with Justin Fields in that situation? Right. Drug love, <laughs> drug love blows. By the way, um, yeah. So to to go back to first what DK said about that uh, about their GM, he he really is probably one of the worst GMs. I've I've maybe a uh, Dave Gettleman in New York who just retired was way worse than Ryan Pace, but that's personal opinion. It's pretty. I mean, it's close. I would just go through. So Parnell McPhee, five years, forty million, sixteen million guaranteed, cut the next year. Mike Glennon, three years, 45 million, 18 and a half million guaranteed, cut the next year. Prince Amukamura, one year, 7 million guaranteed, re-signed the next year, three years, 27 million, 18 million guaranteed, cut the next year. Signed Andy Dalton and then went to fucking proceed to draft Justin Fields anyway, showing that he knew nothing of any sort of semblance of a fucking traded, plan. Traded a first round pick for Nick Foles. Yep. First right. round pick for Nick Foles. Or traded up pick? to get Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. It's missed out on Deshaun Watson. Although that might've been a blessing in disguise. Missed out on Patrick Mahomes in that draft by trading up. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's negligence. Pick Kevin White fifth. Granted injuries had a lot to do with that. He was good. He was good in college. To be but fair. Still fifth. That's always going to be a Sora. That's always going to be a Sora. In the well, that was tough. That was tough. That's, that's such an addition by subtraction, man. I, I can't even say. Um, the other thing is, I feel, I feel your relief, DK. Yeah. I completely understand what you've been going through. I went through a decade of Matt Nagy and Jason Garrett, so completely get it, man. I couldn't be happier for you. Best candidate is Jim Harbaugh. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. In I wouldn't my be mad. I wouldn't be mad. What he did with the less talented quarterback in Colin Kaepernick shows you what he could do with Justin Fields, man. Justin Fields could be Lamar Jackson, but someone who can actually make a third and 12 throw. Sorry, Ray. Um, he, he could be, he could be a guy who, who could, who could actually make those plays if he has the right coach. And I really think Harbaugh is the guy, man. I mean, you look back at that for his 49er seasons, Colin Kaepernick, that one year we were talking about earlier, lit the league on fire. This dude had 172 rushing yards in a playoff game. As a quarterback, Michael Vick never even did that. Like, the best athletic quarterbacks have never done that. Jim Harbaugh got Colin Kaepernick to do it with that offense. So I think Fields, Har Harbaugh and Fields is a match made in heaven, man.
I would also take the Bills offensive coordinator, I forget his name, but he, I think he... And then with Josh Allen, right? Same thing. Yeah, time. he would go well with, with Justin Fields. I would just say, like, just, we don't have to spend too much more time on this, but I will just say, I, I'm a strong believer that the, the state that the team is in right now, the GM is the most important um, role to fill because we're lacking in draft capital. Um, we have we have a pretty wage-heavy team right now. Like, the, the contracts on the defensive side of the ball, a couple of veteran contracts aren't looking super great. So unless you get a Jim Harbaugh guy in to be your head coach to try to do something now, you got to get the right GM in, dude. Because like we, it's going to be a few years before we can actually like start a real build again. And like he, I need a guy that's going to make the right choices because he's going to need five to seven years, most like you know, unless we can do, we get a great coach and can do something miraculous, like I was saying earlier. But I just think the GM role is more important in this particular situation. You don't want to be like, sorry, you don't want to be like the Jets and uh, do the draft. And then fire your GM two days later. Let the really GM, GM do the entire draft and be like, "Yeah, we didn't like that. Get out." Who's the team? Who is the team whose GM is going to quote unquote retire after the draft? I, I can't. I saw it on a scroll the other day. I can't remember who it is. He's like, he's going to do the draft and then and then retire. And it's like, well, no, he's been bad anyway. So why why even do it's that? The Steelers guy is here. Is it the Steelers about. guy? Yeah, Kevin Colbert. Yeah. He's a billion, and uh, yeah, he's a billion in GM years, and I think that's why. Probably. So another team, uh, or our second team uh, with a, a head coaching vacancy is the Denver Broncos, who fired Vic, Vic Fangio, uh, who I think we all kind of had um, on the uh, on the hot seat. Um, and Ray, one of their top candidates is Patriots linebackers coach Gerard Mayo. Uh, is he ready to be an NFL head coach? I, I think he is, honestly. Um, you know, I mean, I, I know, you know, people speak of him highly over here in this, uh, you know, in this, in this, in this area. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be like, I said, he, he was a smart player. Um, you know, he's a reason why Belichick dropped him 10th overall back in 08 out of Tennessee. Um, was, was the leader really from day one on that defense once he got there, honestly, for the six, seven years he was here. So, yeah. And then, you know, um, you know, he, he, he brought him back. Um, what do you call it? Brought him back to the coaching staff and, you know, he's learned a lot, I think, under Bill on uh, the last few years. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, wherever he goes, um, I think similar to where Brian uh, Flores uh, was um, down there. So, yeah, I, or down in Miami. So, yeah, I think that um, I, I think Mayo definitely is ready and deserve, deserves a chance to be head coach. Yeah, and again, uh, Bobby, uh, Dan Quinn, Kellen Moore, both are candidates for the Denver Broncos. Um I mean, I think we know what you have to say about both of those guys, um, and and I think Dan Quinn would be uh, Dan Quinn would be a great spot for him. That would because they're so defense heavy. Let me just tell you what I have to say about Calvin Moore as a candidate is, I hope someone hires him. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> so if someone hires him, I'm not going to be that disappointed about it. So good luck to whoever does that. Dan, Dan Quinn, I'm going to be devastated, though, man. I love the defense. I hope he doesn't go. And, and just to go back on the Gerard Mayo part, because I, I just brought up Dan Quinn, and Gerard Mayo is obviously a defensive guy and was the de facto defensive coordinator, right, Ray? So, like, I, I agree with you that he's ready, but it's so weird because, like, what else has he done? You know, you look at you look at his his coaching resume, and it's like, yeah, all right. He's got he's got more coaching experience than Jason Kidd, so I guess already it makes sense in a vacuum, right? But mm-hmm. but besides 
being the Patriots linebacker coach and working next to Steve Belichick. I, I don't know. I, don't disgrace Gerard Mayo by, by mentioning that asshole's name. No, it's Bill. Yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck Steve. I'm like, Steve. Steve's a joke. It's Bill. Steve Belichick is just, is just, like I said, he's just a sperm coordinator. It's just because he's his kid. That's it. He's, he's, he's nothing. And Bill took shape, uh, took over that defense when I got better. Uh, he should have propelled and elevated uh, Gerard Mayo to make it look like it was him that's doing it because he, he should get a job somewhere else. So why didn't he? Can he probably wants to keep him? Because. A, maybe he wants to keep him with B because if he elevated Gerard, then he would be, uh, he would be lowering his son. That's just, I mean, that's, that's just nepotism right there. And I, I think Gerard needs to leave New England and we need to figure out what type of a coach he is. And hopefully he's not the same type of a coach that every single other coach I mean, under the belt. I, yeah. I, I thought he was going to Philly last year. I did. I think we talked about it. I thought he was yeah. going to Philly. Um, you know, they chose the highest Seriani. I mean, obviously it was good right now because they're going to, um, the, the playoffs, but yeah, I mean, but back to what DK was saying, I, I didn't even notice that. I mean, I didn't even think of Harburg being the guy over there in uh, Chicago. Uh, well, he used to be a quarterback for us, actually. Oh, yeah, no, so. no, I know, I know, he played. <laughs> he was not great. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, I know. Um, but I'm, I, I just that's not. I didn't even think about that. And yeah, he did. He did do a good job, Cap. Um, and at the time, he was just better than Alex Smith. So we could say that he wasn't that talented, but he was just better than Alex Smith at that moment. Um, you know, I expect they had a million different coordinators and coaches by the time he got there. Um, so yeah, I mean that that there's a lot of guys out, out there. Um, I want Flores back on staff here immediately. I know that's not going to happen because some teams probably want to 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 hire him as they should. Um, I think the Giants would be a good move for Flores. I think the I think Chicago would be a good move. Personally, I think Chicago Chicago probably should be the one or two, like that should be the first or second option for most head coaches that need a job. Um, to get a chance to get Fields, Khalil Mack, Allen Robinson. If they sign him back. Right, no, I, yeah, but I'm saying, but yeah, I'm saying, just, just, just what they have currently, like, you have to think about, you know, what, okay, um, is it going to be cold in the winter? Sure. Um, but a chance to maybe host a game at, 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 at the New Soldiers Field? I'd like to think that the Prestige franchise will elevate us as, a, as, a, as an option above the other possible candidates. I like to think that, but then I remember we haven't won shit in like 20 fucking years, so I don't know. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I, I, I totally said it, but it's not like just last year, regardless of record, we made the playoffs. So it's not like, oh my God, they haven't made the playoffs in 10 or 11 years. Like they made the playoffs just two years ago. Um, like I said, have, have a new, have a new, uh, young quarterback. Like, so there, there are building block pieces there that a GM and coach that want to be there. Um, like we all know, like Love Smith got a raw deal. We know that. Like that, that's, we can look back at that scene. 100%. Raw deal. 100%. Someone that we haven't even noticed. I think I think Joe's brought him up, or Mike's brought him up. I can't remember who, but um, Jim Caldwell is someone who should be considered. You know, the man goes nine and seven. I think and in Detroit, in Detroit, <laughs> the man went nine and seven with, with our guy Matthew Stafford. He goes nine and seven, and 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 you, and you fire him, really? Two straight, two straight years too. Three, three straight, yeah, three straight seasons. Yeah. The man has a winning record in Detroit, yeah. in Detroit. You know, it's just like I just I don't I don't understand that I don't get it. That's worse. That's worse than a forest fire. That, that was worse than that. It, wow. It's a joke. Well, actually, say that it, it's it's even worse, especially when you consider what Joe just said. Is they they fired Jim Caldwell to hire fucking Matt Patricia. Patricia, <laughs> that's so but it, bad. But that's, that's what Mike so just said. They hired the evil Craig. They hired the evil Craig in Detroit. 
And he did nothing over there. <laughs> I'm going to be great. Wow, you just really <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the, that's the quote right there, baby. Where they, they hired the evil Craig over there, and he did nothing over there. That's why, like, you don't you don't trust the Belichick coaching tree. Don't well, do and it. There's only been one successful coach to come out of it, and he just got fired. Well, two. O'Brien, O'Brien, Brady, Brady will count. I don't, I don't care, Joe. I know Joe. Joe told me a long a while ago that he said Brady will count. Brady will count. I'm counting Brady. <laughs> Brady doesn't, will count. He t- doesn't count. <laughs> he counts. Brady will count, man. Billy, Billy, o- Billy O'Brien would be the other one. Hit. He had like what four division titles in in uh, in Houston. And he's also the reason that Mike Rabel is now a head coach. So he Rabel falls under the Billy O'Brien coaching tree. That's fair. That's so bad, though. That shouldn't be the case. He was so bad. That should that should that shouldn't matter. Oh, I'm. He's, wait, 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 he's on a Billy. We we know what kind of shambles that Houston organization is in, and I thought the same thing when O'Brien left, and I thought he was going insane. But after seeing what happened after he left. I don't think he was the problem. I mean, we all know McNair well, is the, the owner. Oh, he, was part of he traded. He traded DeAndre Hopkins for David yeah, Johnson. That, 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 alone, pick, so, that uh, alone gets you. Gets you. That, that alone should have got him on. on there's the, got to be. The, 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 I agree. I agree. You, you don't make that move. But knowing what happened after what happened and what JJ Watt said, if JJ Watt was fed up, there yep. was a lot more going on there than what Bill O'Brien was doing. But, I oh, mean, for sure, for sure. I, I mean, they, their owner is trash. So we, we know that. Um, and poor, poor David Cully. Like he, he's out of there. Like, listen, bro, you, you, you're, you're literally a placeholder. Which you know, we talked about early on in the show. That or I mean, early on in the pocket. I don't mean the show particularly, but just, just hated, hated seeing, you know, African American coaches, um, really coaches in general, but especially African American coaches being placeholders. And that's literally like, bro, the bro is singing, he's 65. Like, you're on the way out, Dave. Like, you, you old, dog. Like, you, you, you should not have taken that job. You should have just stayed up there in Baltimore under hardball, just continue to coach, get, get your retirement plan, big dog. And, you know, uh, but I get it. You know, Houston is Houston. You know, it's, it's a great city. <laughs> I know from personal experience, but we'll just leave it at that. But <laughs> when it's like, yo, it's like, come, come on, man. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe Forrest goes down there with Casario. Maybe he goes out there with him. I hope not. I, I need. I, I need. I want Ford to be back here, manning this defense. I really do. I, I just think that we we're, we're missing that. And um, but you know that that should me being biased. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. What if he was a placeholder for Matt Patricia? So last year we said that the Houston <laughs> job was the most undesirable job in the NFL, and now the most undesirable job in the NFL has to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. No. Um, I, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, hang, no. Hang on. Let, let me get. Let me. Let me finish my thought because it was going to be that, funny. That's the scene. That's the scene. They, they have. There's a lot of names that have been thrown around with all the other jobs that should be right, including Bill O'Brien and Todd Bowles, uh, Dan Quinn. Who should they hire? And would it be criminal to not hire Byron Leftwich? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Byron Letwich deserves better uh, than that than that job. Oh, uh, absolutely. I think I, I think Byron sh- uh, needs to go into a situation where they have a a, a capable and steady GM and owner uh, with a plan in place, so that uh, you know when they when they uh, fire him after uh, after going you know nine and seven for three straight years, he can easily get a job after that because that happens a lot in that league apparently. But no, I, I think that that GM is trash. The fact that that uh, Sean Khan is is not going to fire the GM who brought in Urban Meyer and making him part of the new transition team is embarrassing. 
But he, so, but but Khan said that he was going to be the one to make all the final decisions on everything. Great. So, fire, is, so, is so, so fire, fire GM. Was there ever a more, was there ever a more predictable, uh, dumpster of fire than no. urban Meyer on the Jackson? We, we all sat here on this podcast uh, the day they hired him. Like, well, that's going to be a fucking disaster. Bobby, you we, know what the worst part about it is? It was worse than we all thought it was going to be. It really was. Yeah, like he, he made, he made Saban's run. Uh, with uh, with the Dolphins look like Belichick in the glory days. Like that's how bad it was. He went nine to seven, though. He made Bobby that, Petrino look right. Maybe went nine to seven. So it's how it, it's how it, people forget that because how we got how we ducked out in the middle. You know what? This uh, this Bobby was, Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino. I think he's yeah, this, Bobby Petrino. Yeah, this is why we're on the same page. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like it's more about it's Bobby Petrino and in the land like that. That's what that was like. Let me just kind of let me just kind of sneak away in, in the night, and I'm gonna head back up to Louisville. So you know, fun, it was ridiculous. Funny, those those connections actually correlate. A couple more things popped in my head. Correlate actually pretty well. So do you remember what happened with Bobby Petrino? Actually, I think he was gone at the time by then. But remember when he was at Rutgers, I think it was, or I don't know. Oh, his his no, next no, job, no. where he was on the motorcycle with his mistress and got caught because he crashed his motorcycle. And it was the whole thing where there was some like text messages, the whole thing. Take Urban Meyer with his pictures of that girl grinded on him, compare it right to that Petrino scandal, man. I think that's such a perfect comparison. Yeah, wild. Um, And th that's the Jacksonville job. I think it's going to be more dumpster fires like that. I mean, we've seen a lot in the NFL. We've seen a lot, like Mike said, where we've seen coaches fired after having multiple winning seasons in a row, Brian Flores. Uh, we've seen head coaches fired for, grinding on their mistress at the bar that they own. There's no way his wife didn't know what was going on. I, that's a whole nother story for another, another time, but there's, there's no way. Um, so the Miami job was that? always know the episode 104. We could say. Yeah. Episode 104 <laughs> NFL coaches and their swinging lifestyle. Uh, the Miami dolphins uh, are looking for a head coach. Uh, a, a weird name that's jumped out here is Vance Joseph. First time I've, I've seen that one thrown back out there. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think Absolutely he not. a terrible job. A, I'm, I'm sorry. And I, once again, I'm, I'm, I know I'm supposed to advocate what I'm supposed to. I try to advocate. <laughs> Listen, he's, he's not that guy. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. You, you can, you, you can call me whatever you want to call me as you listen to this. Say, oh, you're supposed to. No, fuck that. Vince Joseph is not that guy. If you want to bring me, hell, you can bring me Leslie Frazier. That's the name that came up. Bring Leslie Frazier, Lovey Smith, Jim Caldwell. Uh, hell, even, um, What's the guy that was in both? Uh, not Baltimore. Uh, well, he wasn't Baltimore. He went to Cincinnati. Um, Marvin Lewis. Lewis. Stop. Marvin Lewis. Stop. 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 Or over Vince Joseph. Cut it out. I, yeah, I, I, Vince I, Joseph I, was garbage. All those don't, guys don't hire Vince Joseph. Vince Joseph. No way. Not doing it. No way. Sorry. The, <laughs> can't do it. Well, can't do it. Can't win with him. <laughs> Mike, yeah, can bring me my seven seven two. Can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> one job I forgot to mention was that Mike Zimmer, uh, the one I'd wonder, was uh, fired in in Minnesota. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I I thought he was pretty mediocre. It was time to go. It was one of those. It was yeah, just time yeah. to go. Been there eight it years. You went to the playoffs. It, 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 it was. It was. I have to keep breaking. It was Jason Garrett's status though, where it's like, listen, you're 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 doing the job. You're 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 doing your minimum. To keep us competitive, you need well, also, more, man. Some, like this, eventually, that, you need some kind of sign, something. That, 
that that team's marker when he first got there was like a what, what was a stingy like a stingy defense, right? And all they needed was a quarterback to come in there like that that can just make electric plays every once in a while, but just manage the game. And then they went. Turns out they still can't. And that's all you know. That's Kirk Cousins. I think that guy's an absolute clown and a choke artist. Uh, but I, I think it also oh. because it, it's also with the coach. So if maybe if right. you're more of an offensive coach, like Billy O'Brien, should go to if if Kurt if Kirk Cousins is going to stay in Minnesota. If I was Billy O'Brien, I'd go there. Real you quick, pieces to, to make that work. They, they they had they had the guy there with the tore his ACO. My question for you, Billy O'Brien. You, we keep bringing up his name. Does he get a job? Set follow-up question. Does man did man in the arena have a little bit of public PR for Billy O'Brien when it comes no, to that? No, I, I, I think it did a little bit. No, I, I think I think Billy's PR tour was done uh with his stint in Alabama. Yeah. I, I, I think true. I think when you see the success that they were able to uh to replicate after um after Tua, after Mac, uh that is sure that system, but uh, this uh, the kid this year, like he broke all records for Al- for Alabama quarterbacks, and that's a testament to uh, to to Billy's ab- ability to coach. So I think he does. Does he deserve one? I don't know. But the four division titles, yeah, I, I, I think you give it. You give him another shot. He he joins a long list of coaches, uh, and he's not at the top of the list. That should uh, be looked over again and rehired in that league. Could could he be a guy, Mike? Though that that would stay in the college ranks, not necessarily as a coordinator, but a head coach, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and try and take a team. I don't, I, I, now I, I'm not like the biggest college football savant, but I, I think you have to have success as a head coach pretty quickly in that league to become, uh, to start getting recruit, uh, like recruiting classes there. I'm not sure if Billy O'Brien goes to another like Deion D- Sanders, another D one school, if he has the clout that, you know, uh, that, that Dion does, and especially as, as Nick Saban does. So I, I think, I think O'Brien is, is tailor made for, uh, for the NFL. He just needs the right situation. I, I, I think he'd do well up here. I, I, I think if, um, I think he'd do well at Boston College. I do. Oh, I thought oh, you knew Patriots as a success. Oh, no, 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 yeah, no, no, not a Patriots. I meant to say, sorry. I actually yeah. agree with I, that. Yeah, too. someone called, yeah. I think, yeah, um, I think, I think he'd be fine at BC. I think you do just fine um, up here. Um, Such a crapshoot up there on Chestnut Hill, though, because like it's just so hard. It's like if that, a tree falls in the woods, but nobody hears it. Did actually fall? Like nobody truly cares about Boston College in, in, in yeah. that area. I mean, like if you're getting recruited yeah. by ECC schools, like are you going to go to Blacksburg, Miami, or Chestnut Hill? Like you know, I like, mean, but Black, Blacksburg was, was a was a senior at one point. I mean, Frank, you know, Beamer Ball was 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 something, man. Um, from the Mike Vick days and obviously yeah. brother on there, like they, they had a lot of time to uh, Virginia Tech at some point. So it, it just depends on how good the school is, and you know, are are you where coach is going to get guys to the league? Um, can you make them, you know, uh, leaders, leaders, and well, yeah, can you make them future leaders? Essentially, um, that that that's what has to happen. So Hatley has a good uh, handle on that program. And look out, look out for BC the next couple of years. They would have yeah, been better. They would have been better this year. Jerkovich Jer- 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 didn't yeah. get hurt, man. They he, were he's, a, he's a beast. He's they a were beast. in business this year if he didn't get hurt. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I, I think if you can, you can get him. We seen when he's done with quarterback. We talked about Brayshawn being that guy. So if you get you get him with, with Phil Jerkovich, like, hey, look, look, look out. Gotta I, say, I, I think this is this is a whole whole another show for another uh, a whole another topic for another show. But <laughs> I, I think one big thing that college football needs to do, and you know, Nick Saban. 
uh, it came out and said it as it pertained to the NIL stuff, the, the, you know, the, the licensing, individual licensing and stuff like that. And someone who works uh, closely with college athletics, I've, I've seen this even at a low level, uh, but some of these guys are making a lot of money. I think one of the biggest things and one of the best things uh, college football could do is basically uh, tell all these big five schools in the SEC to screw that, hey, we understand that you're the best, but we need to start incorporating more of these teams. And instead of going with the big five, they need to go to uh, something more like a 16 team playoff where it's a little bit more like the college basketball tournament, where if you win your conference, you get into the tournament and it extends it out a few more weeks. You can still do bowl games. You can still make your money. You can still market these players and these coaches. Mm -hmm. These kids get more exposure. They're on a national stage. I mean, we know these teams and these players because we follow it, but it could, it could really make the casual fan. Uh, that much more. I, I just, I, and granted, I'm not a marketing person. I don't, I, I'm not at the D one level. I'm not, I, I don't work at the NCAA, but well, for now, for now, but for but, but you know, like it, these, these changes can be made and it can make a lot of money and it can make a lot of money for a lot of these schools that don't. And that's what it comes down to is that these power five schools don't want to lose that money to these smaller schools in the Sun Belt, in the ACC, in the conference USA, in, in the, uh, in the American athletic conference, like they don't want to lose that money to those schools. And I get it, but it's it's foolish at the end of the day because at, at the Division three level and even in the Division two and in the and in the FCS uh, and North Dakota State just won its like seventh championship and they're mm -hmm. a, they're a wagon and people are like they got to be in the FBS hell no they don't want to be in the FBS they're making their money down the FCS and they can go out and recruit kids and say man look at this we've won seven national championships ships at the shits at the FBS at the FCS level. Come and be a part of that. College football needs to do the same thing at the FBS level and make a 16-team playoff. And if you win your conference, you're in. And then they can add in other teams that that fall in behind that that may right. not win their conference but are good enough to get there. It would make a lot of money, and and a lot of these coaches would would be more successful or have more. Uh, Bill O'Brien would be more likely to stay in college if he knew he could take a team and elevate them to the level that Deion Sanders is trying to do with Jackson State. Right. Well, sp speaking of money, and it's like it's almost like we've all done this before. Uh, we, we are college sport. We might as well talk about it last night real quick before we get out of here. Um, money being made all over the field for the Georgia Bulldogs last night, man. The Georgia Bulldogs are the national champions of the uh, college football playoff, the FBS, uh, the to tell us more and more about the money that these kids are making. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, they they were straight money last night. I mean, listen, I my brother and I put a ticket for Alabama. We obviously lost uh, that ticket for Alabama because Georgia was on uh, fire. I mean, it was kind of a slow start. It was kind of looking like the uh, Auburn Oregon game. I think in 2011, 2011. Um, it, it was pretty, pretty, pretty slow to start. I was like, oh man, this is kind of a dud, but, um, it definitely picked up in the second half, uh, losing Jamison Williams or Alabama was, was huge. Um, you know, we learned that every receiving core is not as good when you have, when you lose the top two guys. So losing Jamison Williams, obviously my guy, everyone on this oh, ACL, the show, you know, I'm, I am a John Metchie guy. I wanted him here in New England. I've talked about him on the show. I'm going to see this talk about it. I'm going to manifest that John Metchie the third becomes the only Patriot. Um, but yeah, first time in 41 years, man, it, it, it was awesome to see. Um, 
I mean, how crazy is that? I mean, think about the quarterbacks that came through uh, UGA um, and some guy named Stetson Bennett. Um, it becomes the guy that, that gets it done there. So, you know, over, you know, uh, Aaron Murray and uh, JT Daniels and, you know, Jake just so Fromm. many guys that came through. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, yeah, Jake Fromm. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's amazing to me um, that he's the guy that is getting done, the guy that no one even looked at to bring in there. So, you know, great job with them. But um, before, you know, I, you know, pick, pitch, uh, kick it back to y'all too. Uh, listen, besides John Mechie, Jordan Davis needs to be a pair of funks, bro. I know we got Christian Baltimore. Um, Jordan Davis is Ted Washington with speed. Like, it's, it's the way I behave wherever, wherever, wherever you want to put it. Uh, for those that don't remember Ted Washington, look him up. He was here like, <laughs> Jordan Davis, 6'6", 350. I just to him and Barmore would be insane, and you would not run on us at all. Um, but yeah, that that's my thing. But congrats to the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah so to, to piggyback off everything you guys just said, I I you guys know that I've been preaching for so long that the NCAA is, and they just they missed another opportunity recently where they missed another chance to come to an agreement on this. They're missing out on so much money. And for such an organization that's so driven by the money, that's so driven by by power, by being popular, by by raking in this money off these amateur athletes, for them not to do this tournament, it is just mind blowing to me. Even if they expanded it out to eight, man, how many people? How many more people would watch all those games? You think about how many more games are added to that, and how much more hype there is between uh you know it, it, instead of just alabama georgia every year you also have an oklahoma versus baylor playoff game not just not just an oklahoma versus baylor week 13 for the conference a playoff game or you have you know you think about miami versus i don't even know nebraska you know what i mean that could be a thing like all these different options that you could get so many different fan bases and such a national audience, and they just—it's honestly—it's—it's it's reminding me a lot of the MLB, where it's just like, listen, man, it's on the tee, it's there, just swing the bat. What the fuck are you doing, guys? What well, are you doing? football is key. Football is is king, I should say. Football is king, and the NCAA sees these Alabamas, Florida States, Miamis. I know I'm kind of dating myself here a little bit, but like the Georgias, like they—they're the ones that bring in the most money, and it's like twenty. It's like 20 schools or something like that in all of Division One football, like FBS football, and there's 130 of them now. Bring in, like, bring in a, pro- a quote-unquote profit. Like, there's boosters and stuff like that. Sure, that's, that's a different story. But th- there's this whole thing around the money of it. And then that's what motivates the NCAA because that's where they're getting their money from those schools, from the sponsors that's, you know, from Tostitos, from, from, you know, from, from all of these bowl sponsors, they're not getting anything from the, uh, you know, the, the Jimmy Kimmel bowl or whatever it like, those those are, those are lower level bowls, but Bobby, and I, I don't say this as a disagreement. I actually say this as, as an agreement with you and, and curtail off what you just said by saying it's the only sport in college athletics in the United States of America at any level that does not have a playoff where every conference is represented, every conference that has an AQ anyway, an automatic qualifier, doesn't have a representative from every conference 
in the playoffs. Only sport at any level in college athletics and NCAA athletics because there are, there is the NAIA and and other organizations out there, but it's the only one. And and you, like the FCS, Division two, II, Division three, all have all have the, those those tournaments. Now, granted, um, a lot of times what happens, and I'll use Division three football as an example. You get a situation where, um, so last year, our alma mater, Dean College, had joined their conference and they were in a probationary period. So they could not win their conference last year, even though they did. So SUNY Maritime College or Mar- Maritime College in the State New- State University of New York system, SUNY Maritime is what we call it for short, uh, who was not very good ended up going to the playoffs because they were the de facto winner of their conference. They got beat by Salisbury 83 to nothing. Jesus. Is that, is, is that a, <laughs> is that an argument for it at the division one level or against it? But it's like, but you never know. Anything can happen on any given Saturday in, in college football, right? Like these teams from the Mac and the Sun Belt and the American conference could go in and surprise somebody. And this is the biggest thing where these, these schools are very like, well, we, uh, I don't know. But again, to bring him up again, Deion Sanders is changing the game. He brought in, what, th- four or five of the top 10 rec- recruits in the country to Jackson yes. State? What do you, how does he even do that? He's pulling guys away Deion from Sanders. FSU. Yep. <laughs> that's all That's all he needs. Sure. He, just, he just walks in his house. He's like, hey, what's up? Yeah, you want I mean, to it, it, it also it helps with one as well, so it helps. Yeah. And who's, who's, his, who's one of his coordinators? Was Lovey Smith co- one of his coordinators this year? I think so. Somebody, some big name was one of his coordinators this year and the dude can do whatever he wants and he's going to do it. And that's just that, that's what I would love to see in college football is, is to see something to, to echo Bobby from two minutes ago. I would love to see something other than LSU, Bama, Bama, Georgia. Like, yeah, the SEC is going, oh yeah, look, we got the best teams in there. Well, yeah, of course you've got the best teams in there. That's just the way it's gone. And you've gotten the most money at the end of the day and you've got the the richest boosters and that's fine. But, but like, let's level the playing field a little bit. Let's let Jackson state get in there in a couple of years and see what they can do with the top recruits in the country. Yeah. That's that's my argument for it, but I don't think eight's enough, Bobby. That's the only part I would disagree with you on. I think they got to go to one from every conference, which I, I, I did this out at one point. You, where you got one from every conference and then you had like um, at large, like they do in college basketball, right? So then you get teams that would still be from the SEC and whatever. And sure, you want to you wanna make them a higher seed over Boston College or whoever, again, wins the, you know, the, the big sky conference over Montana, fine. They, like make them, a, make them a higher seed. But let these kids from Montana go out and, I mean, how do you think they find these quarterbacks and stuff? Let these kids get on the national stage and get an opportunity to make this money. I'll I'll tell you what I have watched more division one, double a playoff games in my life than, than I can even count. And I have never watched a one double a regular season football game ever in my entire life. Never watched one. Do you know why I watch it? Because it's a playoff game. Because it's win and go home. It just brings a different atmosphere. It's a whole different thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 the it's it's blasphemy that the NCAA still doesn't do this to this day. That's the last thing I'll say about that. Just... It's funny how it would come down to us. And if you haven't heard their their voices in a little while, unfortunately, Dave and Mike had to leave us in our hundredth episode with an asterisk. 
Uh, but it would it would come down to the three of us talking college football because I I feel like we're the we're the ones that actually have the knowledge on that. So we we can we can talk about that. So we'll have to do a college football show. And um, it started with uh, started with NFL and ended with a random NCAA talk. I I don't think there's anything that could fit our show more. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And, and that was a complete tangent on the NCAA stuff. So oh, yeah. we hope you all uh, you all enjoyed all of this. Um, but, uh, that, that is going to wrap it up for the hundredth episode of missing the point. Uh, we covered a lot of things. We reminisced a little bit. Uh, we all gave our feelings on, on what we thought about this. And, you know, one, one thing none of us said, and I think it was fitting that we left it to the end. Uh, and, and I'll throw it in there now is that we, we literally, we look, we, we look at numbers. We're stats guys. We, we like seeing the download numbers, the, 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 when we, you know, every time we hit a milestone, whether it's minor or major, we look at the numbers every day. And those of you that download our episode, um, seemingly from Dorchester and, uh, South Florida, weird Ray, um, and Jamaica, no, uh, but. Uh, it, it's, it's weird how that happens, but really we, we couldn't, we couldn't do this without all of you listening. And we know that we have a lot of people that have followed us from our Dean college days, uh, a lot of family and friends that, that listen, but we also have a lot of, of random people who, uh, have, have picked up our, our podcast uh, from around the globe really. Um, and, and have listened to us. Uh, and we, we really appreciate that. And to the families of, of all of, all of our families uh, and and friends for listening and keeping up with us and enjoying our nonsense uh, and understanding our our weird relationships because I think Dave and Mike is wrong. I don't think we hate each other. I think we slightly dislike each other and uh, and then we tolerate each other because we all love sports and like Mike said, we kind of grew up together uh, in our formative years in college. So we covered a lot here on That's this. What a brotherhood is. Yeah, passionate, man, passionate. That's what a brotherhood is. It, 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 right. it ain't nowhere hate. And so it's a brotherhood. That's all it is. Although it is weird that every time we get into it, Ray kind of just steps back. I, I, I don't. Because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not here. That you, that that's just not me. Y'all, y'all, y'all know that by now. Maybe in the younger <laughs> days I would have responded, but not, not now. I'm, I'm just, he's, I'm just calm. He's too <laughs> smart, Mister, Mister Beast. Classes in session. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So it, it should, uh, it, it, um. This this should be a good one for you, Craig. Uh, but thank yeah. you all for downloading. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for hanging out with us for over eighteen months now. Uh, a lot has happened in our personal lives. A it's lot has happened baby. in the world, and we got a lot more coming for you in twenty twenty two. And we appreciate you guys listening. It helps us keep us motivated uh, to do this every week. Uh, and for Dave Clark. Mike Marcangelo, Rayshon Buchanan, the real BK Bob Kelly, uh, and our EP Craig D'Alessandro, who again, none of this happens without Craig. Just always remember that. I want you to record that and play it every morning. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. On my knees. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you everyone for listening. This has been the hundredth episode. And again, I'm Joe Malkin. This has been MTP. We will talk to you on the next episode. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. 
my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast.